Mr. Kane. There is a man. There is a man. A certain man. A certain man. And for the poor, you may be sure that he'll do all he can. Who is this one? Who is this one? His favorite son. His favorite son. Just by his action, has the traction magnets on the run. Who loves to smoke? Who loves to smoke? And Georgia Jones. <laughs> I wouldn't get a bit upset if he were really broke. With wealth and fame, he's still the same. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. I'm Liam. I'm Ellie. And I'm Georgia. And I know this song is not about me because it says he likes to smoke. uh, (laughs) I am not one for uh, for the smoking. No, me either. Anybody here ever been a smoker? Like, ever? No, 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 no. Have you ever even once taken a drag? I did once, yeah. Once? Yeah, yeah. I'm a complete zero on this one. I'm also a complete zero. Are you also I'm a complete also zero? A complete wow, zero. we have three complete zeros on the podcast here. I was offered one once. And no, I've like, no, I'm offered good. plenty of times. Yes, I was about twelve, and my uh, no, eleven, and I was um, offered. Well, I, I had to take a cigarette from a dad to my mum or something, and I was in between rooms. Yeah, and as I shut the doors between the rooms, I tried it. Okay, cough my guts up. Never again. Yeah. Um... <laughs> That was a bad experience. My my dad died when I was like ten or eleven of lung cancer. Yeah, and that was enough. I mean, if, if that's not going to kind of make you go, nah, I don't know. So you know, I, I teach high school, and every now and then you get kids, and you go, "Why? Why are you smoking?" Mm. You go, "It's my body in it." And I said, "Let me tell you a story, okay?" Yeah, because it it's not. Yeah, my dad died. It was his body, but it meant I grew up without without my dad. Yeah. So tell me it was it's just it's just affects you and only you and and I'll tell you that you're wrong. So this kind of concludes our TED talk on smoking. <laughs> it was gonna be a really kind of a fun intro and then we kinda got a little bit serious, but there there it is from us, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's better ways to spend your money. Yeah, exactly. There's better ways to spend down, your yeah. yeah. Just yeah, literally it's it's burned up in your fingers, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Poof, up in smoke. <laughs> there is a man, uh, and there is a podcast, and that's Best Film Ever, and we are here today on episode 70. Wow. Whoop, whoop. We've hit some big numbers here. Yeah. Ellie looks very pensive. She's kind of got this uh, like, like thoughtful mm-hmm. look that's on her like face. Charlie's Angels that you just did. Is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, let's, talk, let's talk about where we're charting, shall we? Uh, I we like this. We charted thing. this week. We got some nice ones here. We got uh, the United States of America. Uh-huh. We charted in Spain, Brazil, wow. Denmark, Italy, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, India, Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, Malaysia. Uh, we were number 39 in Great Britain. We were number 39 in Canada. We were number 35 in Switzerland. Number 34 in Singapore. We like the phrase, don't we? Number 36 in the Czech Republic. Number 34 <laughs> in Pakistan. Stan, number 52 in Nigeria, and number four, thanks for leaving the light on, it's yeah, Sierra, Sierra Leone. Yay. Okay, so we got a lot of stuff we got to talk about, because we've had a busy, busy week. Mm. Uh, first off, Nicole Kidman, um, Real Roundtable, that's doing well, that's oh, doing nice. well. Yeah, people are... Uh, are joining the conversation as we uh, like to have that happen. Uh, also, we all, usually I say a few of us went somewhere. No, we all went and hung out with Julene on It Goes Down in the PM. Yeah, we did. Yeah. That was fun. It I enjoyed was. that. It was. Very, very, very much. It was a lot of fun. Julian's a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, we spoke in general about the podcast and about a million other things. We talked about healthcare, gun, <laughs> gun <laughs> control. There may have been a few tangents Knife on the law. film. Knife yeah. law, yeah. I don't Jeez. know. Healthcare. 
in general. Yeah. yeah. And so we spoke about all these sorts of things, and we also reviewed hidden figures. And privilege. And privilege. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yep. And we At all, least the privilege one was on topic. The privilege one was on topic, <laughs> yeah. So we spoke about uh, that and some, some sort of situations that we found ourselves in and situations where we spoke about, Liam and I, how we are white men. And that generally gets yeah. us a couple of levels of privilege that we don't have to think about on a daily basis. And we shared some stories about what the girls kind of... Um, the things they have to think about that we don't. Yeah, yeah. And then Julene shared another level deep beyond that. It opened my eyes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, heavily, heavily. I mean, obviously, we'll retweet. It's, it's out. By the time this comes out, it'll be out already. So, we'll already have tweeted out about it. But if you haven't, go check it out. It's kind of like a halfway between the scene or skip it and a full review. Yep. And we get to hang out with Julene, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. She's good it was, Yeah, it was lots of fun as well. It wasn't all like oh, it was, it was doom really, and gloom serious. I, I think it was a really fun conversation. It was just, it was just an honest conversation about yeah. it. It was really interesting as well because obviously she lives right in the heart of uh, California. She's in LA. Yeah, I think yeah, she's yeah. in Los Angeles County. And that's just even just getting that different worldview, literally. Mm-hmm. Literally. So what, what does that mean? The American perspective versus versus our own over here. So uh, an interesting and uh, 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 enjoyable conversation to have. So thank you very much, Julian, for having us on, because yeah, I know she's you. listening, because she always listens. You do. <laughs> thank you, Julian. So thank you. Uh, I'm uh, getting on Thief's monthly movie loot. By the time this comes out, I will have recorded this. No idea when it's coming out. <sighs> but we're talking about summer blockbusters, and I'm looking forward to that oh, conversation good, yeah, yeah. there. Another, you know, one of our biggest supporters, and one of our, like, oldest supporters as well. Not as an age, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's... Probably younger than me, no, my <laughs> luck. But but he's been there since very early on. So Thank you. Uh, thanks to Carlo, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. So I'll say right now, I really had a good time. I'm assuming, but I, I had a great time, and what a conversation we had. And that's one thing he said. Oh, ho, ho. Um, on that note, we are now opening up a couple of promos for things we're asking for more. Now that we're done with our Nicole Kimman Real Roundtable, we move on to the next one, and we've got Tom. Tom Cruise. So we're looking at people's top five Tom Cruise movie picks in order, ranked one to five. Put on the hashtag BFE top five. And that's if no you small don't, feat. That's not, <laughs> if you don't put the hashtag on, there's no guarantee I find it. It would be a shame if you submitted something, listened to the pod, and went, where's my list? And I had to go, where's the hashtag? Yeah. <laughs> Twitter's a big place. Help me out. <laughs> Make it a little bit easier to find with a hashtag. Uh, Liam's got a new phone, and uh, at some point, I'm hoping he's going to get on Twitter. Well, I'm getting stressed hey. already. Well, not with Twitter, with the phone, but we will walk you through technology, oh. and we'll get you on Twitter, and you'll know what a hashtag is at some point. Can I go back to the Nokia 3210? That was easy. They say Nokia. <laughs> Can you play Snake States. on it? Snake, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll figure out Snake yes, for you. Then. <laughs> uh, also, we've got the BFE mail call we're doing a mailbag segment i think we'll do that in july early july i mm-hmm. think um sounds good i'm gonna talk to resident posty um russell see if he can drop off the mailbag ah, <laughs> and uh it'd be great if i could actually get him to record a little intro that'd be it. great that it? would be great be if we just get him going mail call that's yeah. all, that'd be fantastic oh, you've got mail you've got mail so <laughs> russell get back to us get we'd, to we'd us. love to hear a little bit that of a chime there for you've it. got mail you've got mail a great little movie it is great little love movie. that movie uh, and so, uh, but for that one, you can do hashtag BFE mail call, or if you're really tight on, on characters, hashtag ask BFE. Yeah. Either one of those will do. And you yeah. can ask us really about, about, you know, it can be film related. Some people have, it can be not film related. If you want to know my favorite crisp flavor, I'll, I'll talk about that. Spoiler. Film <laughs> cocktail is great. Okay. If you want to know about pizza toppings, you want to know about <laughs> music. If you want to know about, whatever i mean it's, it's a basically it's just a chance for you to kind of learn a little bit more about us if you're so inclined yeah. it can be on topic it can be off topic 
There we are. There we go. So, um, and we hit a thousand Twitter followers, and I just thought that warranted wow. a bit of a thing. That's pretty cool. And we're, I say this, I don't mean to disparage anybody, but there are some accounts that go out there and just follow for follow. You follow me, I'll follow you. And you can kind of elevate your numbers. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have meaningful, organic stuff. So I didn't go out chasing people and say, follow me back. Yeah. Because I, we actually want to engage with people. I want that number to, to, to mean something. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's considerably more than the people we follow. That's not because we're being pretentious or anything like that. It's just because we follow those who we engage with on a regular basis. But it's, it's quite something. So if you're out there and you're one of our thousand followers plus at this point, uh, thank you very much. And if you're not involved in the conversation, you're missing out. At best film ever pod. Also follow me because I've only got 136 followers. <laughs> Georgia and Ellie <laughs> and Ethan are all on Twitter. Just just one person on the outside there. Just me. Just you. <laughs> just me on the I, peripheral. I really need to get better at Twitter. Like I've had it for so you, many years, but I never use it. You will like, like something and I'll go, oh, it's been a while. And then you'll like like 15 things in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Ellie's just remembered Twitter exists again. Yeah, it's because it's the first time I've been on Twitter in a week or do whatever. Have, and, do you not have push okay. notifications or anything like that for Twitter? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I just don't get ignores them. I no, I just don't get tagged in anything because I don't engage with other people, so they don't Ah, engage with me. So if I do get tagged in something, it's exciting. There you go. And then occasionally I get something like you know, best film ever posted a status or whatever tweet. It's not a status on Twitter, is it? It's a tweet. This is is best film ever tweeted. Knowledge. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. So then then I'm like, oh, there's a there's a thing to engage with. I have got. 163 followers on Twitter. That's there we not go. fair. There we go. <laughs> I have. Sure I did Ethan's join in you. August 2012. I'm sure Ethan's got you both. <laughs> you both put to rights here. I have oh, I no have no followers. doubt. <laughs> yeah, you have no followers. But the flip side, you're not following anybody either. So no, no. there we go. But speaking of a special Oh, thing, Ethan's only got 60 followers on oh, Twitter. Ooh. That's because he upsets a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, he's very opinionated, oh, Ethan. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's the unique <laughs> one in that perspective. Oh, yeah, he is actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like to think I'm, I'm kind of a moderate on Twitter. I say <laughs> some things and I try and build bridges. Ethan's like Ethan's like Ethan on Twitter is like me on the mic. It's like taking over here. We go. I'm burning it all down. Burn them all. Burn them all. <laughs> on that note, there's a mistake. I think I made. Liam, we set something up last week. We did. We did. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually ties in perfectly with this. I was going with the flow. You were supposed to have a memorable word last week. Oh, I was. I was. Yes, I so do. I've actually got in my notes here, cue Liam for his memorable word. So memorable while we're going word. on, we need a memorable word. Okay. And don't do not do the obvious one for this one. Okay. Because there's one that would be really obvious. There would be. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a word. There is a word. <laughs> oh, specific to the film, not yes. just any memorable word. Well, you can do anything you want. Something that comes out of the conversation or could come out of the movie it doesn't really matter. But Liam's got that power. The power. Like he won for this film. So like, like- Ellie does the age game. George does the reviews. Ethan angers people on Twitter. <laughs> 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 Liam's got the memorable word. If ironically, he can remember it himself. Nice. There we go. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about a couple more things. That Shrek conversation is not ending. Really? People are still going on about it. Wow. A new listener, Baz, said that he'd give it a four. <laughs> out of five? Wow. Or out of four? Out of ten. No, out of four. I can't get out my head four. around that. Out of That's four crazy. stars, like the Roger Ebert review. Yeah, definitely. Friend of yep. the podcast, Lestat, who when hey. I said, he, I don't like Shrek, and I went, you're just being a troll now, yeah. wrote in all caps, I am not a troll. <laughs> Shrek is bad. And I went, I think the use of caps is defeating the argument you're trying to make. 
Because <laughs> if you are, fee, fi, fo, fum. <laughs> and so Dan Mackles got involved in that, and 50 years of pods got involved and asked, wow. him, if, asked him if trolls and ogres are maybe just natural enemies. <laughs> <laughs> what have you started? Then we had friend of the podcast, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Who said, <laughs> while Ethan is very pretty. At an excellent stand-in. I'm still missing Georgia. Having Ethan on the Mission Impossible podcast is genius, though. Nah. <laughs> Don't knock it till you tried it. Hi, Wayne. I'm back. Knock list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knock, yeah. knock, who's knock. there? That's not a funny joke. Speaking of knock, knock, who's me. there? Ellie, what's up? I'd just like to pipe up and say I've now got 164 followers on Twitter because Russell the Postie just followed me back. Is this live? What's occurring? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have we launched some secret patron I'm unaware of and he's got like live access? That's funny. That's so weird. <laughs> hey, Russell. <laughs> um, Carlo uh, went in a bunch of things, but uh, I'm not groaning at Carlo growing up. It's just the idea of it. It's the Shrek converse. Oh, no, this isn't. This is Mission Impossible. I agree with the technical mumbo jumbles. Indeed shaky, but explaining some things. Ethan wears the glasses with the camera because Luther is indeed walking him through the steps. That would make sense. We asked why is he wearing the glasses in, yep. in the high scene. I remember he needed to be in front of it, so Ethan is. Also, the floppy disk is not the 1.44 megabyte that I was talking about. It's slightly bigger, thicker, probably made up for the film, but kind of like zip drives. I forgot zip drives were a thing. Yeah, Ellie, do you remember what a zip drive was? A zip Is that like the same as a zip It's a big floppy disk, it? you it? It's like, a, it's like your... a floppy disk that like holds oh, like a no. bunch. Yeah, it's a big one. No, I know no, no, what it's the, the digital same size. Version same is. size. It fits in the same slot. Oh, okay. Because I, I thought they make. Did they not make big the, the, floppy? That, that was that was before. That's, before that, that. that's the oh, less technical okay. one. That was what they were so when they floppy. were floppy, that yeah. was like archaic. Oh. Then it went to one point four four. If you held it wrong, all your data got corrupted. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have this one, which I did forget about, which is like I don't it's know the one that like fits in the it, slot. It, it, would, it, would, it, would, it would still yeah, just like the it fit in the same slot. The one point four four. So they look very. It's like the save icon. Yeah. 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 And so I've used a floppy. So it fit into that same drive. But this one was like uh, like a, a steroids version of it. Right. Okay. It was like Game Boy versus Game Boy Color. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I spent my childhood flicking, you know, the little slot that the the floppy disk goes yes. in, like the little door. A little door. We're just flicking yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, probably uh, it was a bit popular in the late 90s. You can store anywhere from 100 megabytes to 250 megabytes. And he attached a picture of it. And I was like, cool. Thanks for that. That is cool. Thanks. Paul and Griff, uh, who took me to task on my, I said how Limp Biscuits version of the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack theme song was mm-hmm. terrible. And they went, hashtag Ian. They went, Limp Biscuits version of a song is awesome. Hashtag Ian is finally wrong. <laughs> I responded with, you don't get to say that when you spelled biscuit like something you dip in your tea. Yeah. <laughs> they wrote Limp Biscuit. Oh, really? <laughs> what's, the, what's the difference? Uh, it's supposed to be B-I-Z-K-I-T, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they went B-I-S-C-U-I-T, the most English <laughs> thing you could have done there. Uh, the film effect pod just said something about John Voight said uh, he's part of Heat, Michael Mann's Heat. I've never yeah, seen Heat. Have you yeah. seen Heat? I've seen Heat, yeah. So, okay, yeah. So he, I was saying how I thought this was his best role that I'd seen him in, but I hadn't seen him in much. I still haven't seen him in much. Heat is a good movie. Yeah, I hear that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. Um, but he said, I never saw an episode from us. Thanks, guys, at Film Effect Pod. A Carlo back in. To add a bit to the argument about how franchise might have devolved and how Ethan Hunt becomes like a superhero, putting MI2 aside, I think the franchise... <laughs> see, how, see how we're taking John Woo and going over what? there? Over That's there. My favorite one. My favorite. I think the franchise does... Hi- it's a different movie. Can we just be honest for a minute? It's not Mission Impossible. No, it's not. You can like it for what it is, but uh, it's not Mission Impossible. No, no, no. Which, no, one's, which can, one's this? This is MI2. You haven't seen any of them. 
No, that's true. No. So, <laughs> I was just trying to so, learn. Like, the other ones are kind of like, just they sort of follow involved. a reason. MI2's just like, let's have Tom Cruise and John Woo do a movie and we'll just think of a name. Nah, it's called Mission Impossible. See if it sounds good. It's amazing. <laughs> Can we get those guys with, with, with the biscuits? Can they do the song? <laughs> Can we please have them do the song? Uh, says so the franchise does highlight his vulnerability, especially the third one, his favorite. Not sure how much we've all seen, apart from Ethan. Hang on a second. I have seen Mission Impossible 1, 2, 3, and 4. I've seen all of them. I thought there was no thing that I was like, oh, I've only seen one and stop. The fact that I'm bashing on two means I've seen two. I like three. Yeah. Four's got the best set piece. And then I stopped because I watched four when I don't know what the story is. They all become samey. They become What's the stunt this time? Yeah. If if you see any of them, it's like, which one's which one's six or which one's seven? Also, when he hangs off the plane. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah. you don't go with someone with this story. It's, no, no, it's no, the no. set piece you refer Spoilers. to. You do. What, that he hangs <laughs> off a plane? <laughs> You just said it's the key part of the film. It's not it's the key part. It's the part you remember. Remember, yeah. Oh, okay. So um, <laughs> he also posted the side-by-side picture of Claire. Yeah, Ellie, you weren't wrong on that. Wow. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> he posted the exact one I yeah. was talking about in the podcast. Uh, he also agreed that Henry Cesarini was pretty good in that. He's returning in the next one, which we did talk about. Mm-hmm. So that was good. He also mentioned a couple of things. Wells is not in Superman 1. And I, pick, I thought of that two seconds after I said it. Mm-hmm. The minute I went, I went, uh, I was talking about Transformers. I went, oh, shoot, that was the one he was in. <laughs> he wasn't in Superman. That's Brando. <laughs> and he wasn't Optimus Prime. He was this uh, planet character named Unicron. Oh, okay. Sure. A planet devouring hash, uh, planet. Hashtag Ian is not always right. Now, I would say the Ian is always right hashtag. How it comes from. <laughs> Generally, I don't associate it because I will make factual mistakes in a film. Absolutely, I will. Yeah, yeah. Especially when we're talking about what else were they in? I don't have any of those conversations sort of prepared for. No. I, I tend to lean towards that when I'm talking about analysis of the film. Mm-hmm. rather than factual information unless I, I we have an argument i go no i promise you he's wearing gloves in that scene yeah, yeah, yeah. things like that he doesn't lose his hands. doesn't lose his hands <laughs> that's the ian is always that. ian is always right situation yeah, yeah, yeah. but i still enjoy people keep, keep me honest by all means we'll hit the button there we go and i'm also gonna push that because i made myself a mistake and no oh. one caught this go on i went on about how yeah they fired Alan Silvestri and they brought in this music and you went didn't Danny Elfman do something I was like uh, y- yeah he did and I was like what? why do I have two of her names I hadn't erased the names from Shrek <laughs> so I had given the same musicians credit for Mission Impossible as Shrek and no one noticed Oh, no one out there listening to it none of y'all wow. not me until well, I went that. until I went that's right it was Danny Elfman I'm like why yeah, Why would I not have put his name it's because I just didn't I, I just copy and paste and reuse the previous week's notes yeah 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 I just forgot to do that wow so we'll see if I give Danny Elfman credit for Citizen Kane <laughs> <K. laughs> that's amazing and that, catch that one that and, would be impressive and that is what we're doing so let's go through the shout outs really quickly uh, Film Effect Podcast called us one of the best film podcasts around thanks a lot mm. guys at Spy Hards they're just class acts yeah I like them uh, Hermes from the Scuttlebutt Podcast great stuff Juline. Juline. Juline Juline McGregor Movie Talk Cheap Seat Reviews Alex from Main Street Finance already has his picks in for the top five Tom Cruise movies nice thanks a lot hey. Alex also asked me what my favourite cheese was did he so that's always an engaging yeah. that sounds like a mailbag question to me yeah <laughs> uh, Chance Whitmore uh, Jane May I uh, said thanks for the shout hey, out Jane. you guys rock and she jumped in with the favorite prepubescent acting performance and said Freddie Highmore, who was the kid actor from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yep. He was in About a Boy. He was in Finding Neverland. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure about finding Neverland. I'm not 100% sure about a, about a boy. I've never seen it. So, <laughs> so, so when Carlo chips in and goes, yeah, he wasn't yeah. in that, I'm not 100% on that one, <laughs> but I am 100% oh, on finding the, Neverland. What's the name of the guy who's now in Game of Thrones, but was in um, Love Actually What do you well? mean now in Game of Thrones? Well, he was in Game of Thrones, Thrones for two years. More recently, as an adult, was He's in the, Game of Thrones. You mean, you, you mean the kid who learns how to play the drums? Yeah. You think that's the greatest prepube best in acting performance? I think he's great. He was also in a BBC production called Feather Boy. He is good in that, but he's not Abigail Press. Have you you seen (laughs) Little Miss Sunshine, right? I have, but I need to rewatch it. I can't remember it. Uh, that's always my go-to. If she can, if you can say it beats that, then I'll have the conversation. Yeah. Uh, off radar, uh, who I really like. They do like still thirty-minute ones. They did one on the trial of the Chicago Seven, and I really want to watch Ooh, that before I yeah. listen to it. That's the problem. Yeah, so yeah. I will get to that at some point. But yeah, even the score pod. Debbie got in contact. She should hey, fall a little bit behind. She says, but the music gave her chills. I'm going to assume that's the Mission Impossible theme yeah. and not the best film ever theme. Maybe it was best film ever theme. <laughs> Devastated that Ellie didn't remember her around the table for the American president. Hashtag. I Ellie. did. Hashtag I was the one that said. You said she was. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you did. She's saying hashtag Ellie. We need to talk. Maybe it's hashtag Debbie. You need to listen. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. We love you, Debbie. We love you, Debbie. I wonder if now if she comes around the corner, we'll know somehow we're broadcasting live. Um, Ray from Not Before Coffee. She's great. The recasted podcast. They. I listened to them a little bit this week. They did some good stuff. They they take famous movies and they think, what if we had to remake this? And they do it with some modern audiences, like oh, modern sort of actors. We've done that a few times. We've done that a few times, but that's yeah. kind of what they do every week. So ah. it's, it's a fun idea. Yeah. Uh, MCU and me. I listen to these guys this week. A, they've got maybe the, they're right up there with Verbal Diorama for the best intro song. Cool. It really is good. And it's about a guy, kind of similar to, it's a musical where like Danny doesn't, isn't really a musical fan and Drew walks him through a new one. Yeah. yeah. It's about a guy, I forgot the name, so it's a guy and his girlfriend and she hasn't seen any MCU. Yeah. And he's seen like all the MCU like multiple times. And so they're going through it in order. So I, you know me, I stopped by Thor first, first place yeah, yeah. and went, let's give us a listen. Really enjoyed it. It was good. Oh, cool. I enjoyed it. Uh, so, and there's about, somehow one of them knows Colm Fjord. Mm. Who, if you know me, I love Colm Fjord. Colm Fjord, we've seen him too. He's, he's the bad guy, Laufey in, uh, in Thor. But more importantly, yes. or maybe more memorably, he plays the prosecutor in Chicago. Oh. And I was like, that's Canada's Colm yes. Fjord. He's a big deal. Oh, okay. They know him somehow. Wow. Yeah, something. Um, let's also give a shout out. It's a musical podcast. They love our write ups because I said that we dropped our episode on Mission Impossible, but it stopped before it hit the floor because <laughs> the gif I had was Tom Cruise. You know, uh, Paul and Griff have politely <laughs> declined the Moulin Rouge invite. Oh. Yeah. I'm still waiting to hear if Danny and Drew are on this. Still waiting. Ooh, we're still waiting. They're excited about Mank. As, as is the Film Effect podcast, and they're very excited about the upcoming interview with Sean Prasad. So. Yeah, we are too. We are very much so. so. This time next week, we'll be getting ready for it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, and everybody at the Apocalypse Group. Ratchet Book Club on Second Watch. Mark Cohen's gave us a congratulations on a thousand followers. Film Rage told us to strut. No horror request this week. Yay. It's a win. It is a win. <laughs> Salt and burn this pod. <laughs> Gave us a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Is that, uh, is that a witch reference? I think it's not. So, so, salting and burning the land is what you did when you conquered a people and you wanted to make sure that you ruined the ability for them to ever use the land again for agricultural yeah. purposes. Yeah. Uh, independent filmmaker Jay Salahi, who we may have something planned for later on this Ooh. year, gave us a congrats. Thank you. More coming on that in July. Brody Sports Talk for the love. Ooh. Sports talk. I like sports. Mm. Uh, Bronwyn Williams, uh, who loved the fact that we had uh, episodes on Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2, and more than one episode on early Muppet movies. That's class. <laughs> Bronwyn. I love that name. 
It's a nice name, huh? It is. Yeah, Probably. I don't really know many Bronwyns over no. here. Back home, quite a few. Oh, okay. Uh, the Nostalgia Test Podcast, so wizard when cinephiles attack. Dan Mackleton and I got into a debate about voice acting. <laughs> I still... I, I'm just, <sighs> yeah, you could have stand that. Like, Eddie Murphy in Shrek, great. Yes, John yes. Lithgow in Shrek, great. Mm-hmm. I've listened to a lot of bad performances over the years. Because I'm sorry, you've got facial expressions, movement, walking across a, st- a set. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you react to people? How do you take your... Like, all these things are different when, you know the animators aren't doing half that stuff for you. So yeah. yes, you can put it all into a microphone, which is great, but I think there's a reason why you don't see the best actor ever going to like someone for a voice role. True. So, you know, we talked about Eddie Murphy, the importance and the significance of the first BAFTA nomination yep. for a voice acting performance. But I think it is the exception rather than the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian got involved in that. M from Verbal Diorama got involved in that. Riddle Me That True Podcast got that. I listened to a great episode from M on Robin Hood, Men in Tights. <laughs> I love that movie. You do, you do. If I had to rank my top Robin Hoods, I'd have a hard time not going with the Disney Robin Hood as my number one. But I really want to think about Carrie Elwes in that one. And in that one, she happened to say that if you don't like, direct quote, if you don't like The Princess Bride, boo. (laughs) Just saying, just saying. Ellie, Ellie. Boo. Boo. Dion Sanchez. And then finally. I feel victimized. Finally, a review before we get out of this. And it's. Uh, someone left us a review on Apple Podcasts, which we love, yeah, we and do. they called us a stellar lineup of film enthusiasts who entertain and have great interaction with our listeners and fellow podcasters. And yes, to answer your imaginary question, I'll be open to putting the keys, <laughs> microphones, into the bowl and doing some host swaps. That's a very, <laughs> that's a very, oh. that's a very sexual <laughs> metaphor we had there. Wow, so different different responses around the room. There we go. There is uh, something to consider, Ben. I don't know if he's te- Fiona no, but he's putting her no. <laughs> putting her keys in the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, sorry for Fiona every week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, back to, I think she's like Liam. Basically, it's like I should be roasting Liam on Twitter more because for the time being, he does not have it. Well, there we are. Although Lestat would probably sell me out in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. But if you want to be like man. our friends at Film Floggers and make our day a little bit happier and give yeah. us a smile there, well, leave us a review on the platform of your choice. But if you got Apple Podcasts. That's a heck of a place to do it, seeing as they, for the time being at least, they remain the industry standard. Yeah. Speaking of the industry standard, up until recently, this was the industry standard, which, of course, we're talking about Citizen Kane. Yes. And us. <laughs> but no, Citizen Kane, a, a film that, I mean, I've never seen it. Me either. Yeah, we're a bit bad for that. Well, we? this is the one I'm not surprised if a three of you for not seeing. It's kind of one of these like nerdy film sort of things that. It's a film film, isn't it? It's a, it's a film student's film. Yeah. Yeah. And so. The teacher who teaches film would have watched. Doesn't mean I got to see every film I've ever made, but this is held in such high regard. Yeah. So I, I was going, yeah, I probably should see this. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, going yeah. that. I wasn't feeling too guilty about it. Shinner's List, I feel terrible about. Mm. This. So I was like, I don't know. But um, I had a professor once, not a film, but just a professor of a history program say, Citizen Kane, I went, yeah, he went the most overrated film you've ever seen in your, in your life. Not wrong. He said, oh, jeez, burying the lead. <laughs> giving, giving it away. It's no Mission Impossible too, is it, buddy? <laughs> uh, directed by Orson Welles, cinematography by Greg Toland, and the score by oh, Bernard Herrmann. 
Mm. Um, yeah, that's not. I got those right. Those aren't the people from other <laughs> films. Okay. So, I mean, um, people's reactions going into this. I mean, if, probably the 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 scene Mank and the interview with mm-hmm. Sean gave me the kick of the butt to watch it. Absolutely. I, I was probably a six out of ten in my anticipation towards watching this. I was expecting a bit of a of a long slog, especially when some people sort of. I think it was Dwayne Smith. That's friend of the podcast, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith, who said that he got like twenty minutes in and turned it off. i was like all right here we go uh so i was probably about a six i was going i'll be for me it was saying that once i'm done i can say i've now seen citizen king yeah yeah that was the payoff to me was now i can say that i uh yeah i'm very pleased that i can now say i've seen citizen king it's kind of more like like you know it's like a little frame i can put around my my my, my facebook picture so rather than like you think there is one rather than like i've had the jab it's like i made not made it through that might be yours you're not wrong i have i have now watched citizen king i'm gonna see if there is one you go ahead i doubt that. i don't know how to make one uh, there were a cool, couple things where i went oh there's a few like one or two things in here that are still ridiculously there is there relevant. is a citizen kane frame Shut but it doesn't up. say i have now seen citizen oh, kane okay. it's just like it's just like a picture of um that's a picture of you of charles kane <laughs> no but look underneath me there's a picture of charles kane oh it's very small charles foster kane it's very very small george will oh yeah look that's behi- how frames work <laughs> isn't george, it george will look behind her at the camera <laughs> 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 i thought that's how ellie sees us the laptop's actually in front of us here <laughs> do you want crazy. me to make should i make it my profile picture so you can see it on facebook uh, i'm kind of encouraged people not to look at their phones during the broadcast <laughs> but... okay okay i won't i won't all right i've got a little bit of a story here to tell at the beginning okay uh, uh, yeah, it's a little bit. Okay. You're not kidding. He turned three pages. Oh, wow. There's a lot. But we will, we will, oh, oh my, my word. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to, I have cut it down already once, so we'll see how it goes. Okay. Okay. Hollywood had already shown interest in Orson Welles. Orson Welles was a, was a big deal in theater, but he was an even, even bigger deal with radio because mm-hmm. Orson Welles did the original War of the Worlds. He did. And the radio broadcast that caused people to legitimately think the world they was ending crazy. With, with, with like an alien invasion. One yeah. of my favorite, like, theatrical stories is the fact that people believed that is brilliant so he was turning down work in Hollywood as early as 1936 he turned down scripts sent to him by Warner Brothers in 37 he was offered a a job in Hollywood as the head of a film company story department and he was offered a supporting role in the film version of Wuthering Heights Uh, although his biographer wrote the possibility of making huge amounts of money in Hollywood greatly attracted him. <laughs> of course it As it would. Of course it would. Yeah. Uh, he was still totally, hopelessly, insanely in love with the theater. And it is there that he had fought every intention of hoping to make his mark. So he was eventually lured to Hollywood with a crazy contract by RKO. Mm-hmm. So, was that, hang on. How crazy what, what are we this? talking? This is like 1930. It's not so much the money. So it's not so much Howard the money. Hughes, when did he take that? I think Howard Hughes was with RKO by then. I think he owned it. Sure. Um, all I know is that the, all, all I know the head of the studio, like the guy who works for for for, for the job, yeah, 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 is George Schaefer, and he wanted to work with Wells after um, War of the Worlds, and he believes that Wells had a gift for attracting mass attention, and RKO was also like weirdly like always profitable. Okay. So they actually could afford to give people like freedom to go ahead. They didn't, they didn't have for each each of them didn't have to be a winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you sign him, which they do eventually for a two-picture deal, if one of them hits, you're okay. Uh-huh. 
So that's basically what happened. And so they try to lure him, and eventually uh, he shows up on the set of RKO, and he calls the movie studio the greatest electric train set a boy ever had. <laughs> and the deal is this. He gets complete artistic control as long as it meets two conditions. Number one, RKO has to approve the story. Yeah. So you go and you pitch your story. Once they say yes, that's the last that's bit it. of that's the last thing you can do. Uh huh. Secondly, the budget can't exceed half a million dollars. Back then, I suppose that's not that's a, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, RKO would not be allowed to see any footage unless Wells chose to show it to them, as opposed to the standard would be show us what you shot today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wells that'd be the Russians, wouldn't it? Yes, very, very good. Look, you're using the terms. I thought you said Russians for a minute. I was like, what? That's what I thought he said. I still don't know what he actually said. Rushes. Rushes. Okay. Like like the plural of a rush. Yeah. Or like the things that grow near rivers. Oh, is that right? Rushes, yeah. Sure. Like a bull rush. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, like like the Canadian rock band Rush. Yes. Rush, yeah. If there were two of them, they would be Rushes. Um, so also on that note, he would develop a story after the original green light without interference. He could select his own cast, his own crew, and have the right of final cut. The studio didn't get a chance. He had 100% creative control over everything. You would not get that today. And the theory was, well, the deal was he kept putting all these things in because he really wasn't that bothered about going to Hollywood. And once they finally said yes, he's like, well, I really don't have any way to say no. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia. So are you telling me that Awesome Wells, who directed this film, had free reign of cast and cast himself as the star in Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, I guess, it, I guess it speaks to he knows what he wants. Yeah. I guess. Oh, I, I, if there's a weak spot in this cast, it's not Orson Welles. Oh, no, I know it's oh, not. Okay. It, just, it just makes me laugh. Uh, there's something. Maybe now's a good time to talk about it in film that's called The Auteur. Maybe we'll find out more about it in Mank. Maybe. But it's called A-U-T-E-U-R. Auteur. Not, 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 I'm not saying author in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Although they do kind of mean similar things. But okay. the auteur means the single driving force behind the vision that ends up on the screen. And without question, he is the auteur of this film because everything is him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's acting in it. He's the one who creates it. He's more or less given instructions for how he wants it. Edit. He doesn't edit it himself. And that's the, that's the argument against auteurship is that no one, uh, filmmaking is a collaborative process. Yeah, yeah. And Isn't it just French for author? Auteur? Yeah. It could be. Sounds like it. Well, it is. Sure. But then you think, <laughs> like, but, but, but we use the term, we use the term for, for filmmaking about yeah. that person who has authorship. We don't consider films to have authors. But thank you for that. I, there's a... There's there we go. <laughs> think Maybe I'll, like, superimpose some French lyrics on that. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't Clint Eastwood go on to do stuff like this? Yeah, yeah, Clint Eastwood. Um, Kevin Costner when he did Dance with Wolves. Yeah, like Hitchcock wouldn't Hitch- act in in the main role. No, but Spike yeah. Lee. Yeah, yeah. Spike Lee would do it. So we do see some act. Uh, Mel-, Mel Gibson and Braveheart. Yeah. So you do see elements of that, but you know about having this level of control though. Mm-hmm. When, when you're bigger than the studio, especially at this time, no one's ever bigger than the studio. Crazy. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, and so uh, the, the contract was deeply resented in the film industry. The press took every chance they could both to mock the studio and orson wells of they would. um and so wells spent the first five months trying to get his first project going without success and apparently they were laying bets over at rko that the orson wells deal would end up without orson ever doing a film because <laughs> they thought well he's not going to anything if we just don't green light any of his stuff that's it yeah, yeah problem yeah. solved uh and so he was trying to make a film of heart of darkness and adapt it and it was going to be entirely first person 
Oh. So you would just, oh, that would do my head in. Yeah. I mean, very experimental. Yeah. They spent well, this a, is kind of experimental itself. They spent a full day doing it, and um, they went, yeah, this is not going to Everyone work. Everyone had headaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, he couldn't trim $50,000 from the budget. Ooh. So he couldn't get it past that first $500,000 hurdle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they went and get rid of it. Uh, and then, especially because you couldn't push it any further, because war, like, we're like late 30s. Like, war's about to come on. Imminent. People can see it's happening, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we're like, we, we cannot give any extra funds, because no. we don't know what the landscape of filmmaking will be, because you need people to go to the cinema. You do? Yeah. We can't just put it on Disney+. Plus. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he then started working on what would become Citizen Kane. Knowing the script would take some time to prepare, Wells suggested to RKO that while that was being done, he'd make a humorous political thriller instead and then that stalled and then he began brainstorming other story ideas with someone by the name of herman j mankowitz ah there we go there's there's a link mank if you will yeah 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 who had been who had been writing uh radio scripts for his like um theater playhouse uh called the gary Theater. gary oldman himself and um they had a bit of a combative relationship. It said that it was arguing, inventing, discarding. Between these two, they managed to get Citizen Kane sort of off the ground and then began one of the... Imagine what the film's going to be about. Mm-hmm. A giant controversy about who wrote this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's the real author of this. Um, so, Wells conceived the project with Mankiewicz, but Mankiewicz based the original outline on the life of William Randolph Hearst, who Mankiewicz knew socially and came to hate after Hearst sort of kicked him out of his circle of friends. Uh, Hearst was an American businessman, newspaper publisher, and politician known for developing the nation's largest newspaper chain and media company. So, it sounds pretty close to what we saw. Yeah. In February 1940, Wells supplied Mankiewicz with 300 pages of notes and put him under contract to write the first draft screenplay. Um, and so Wells said, I left him on his own finally because we'd started to waste too much time haggling. So after mutual agreements on storyline and character, Mank went off with Houseman and did his version while I stayed in Hollywood and did mine. And then Wells took the two of them and rearranged them, adding some scenes of his own. The industry has accused Orson Wells of underplaying Mankiewicz's contribution to the script, but Wells counters the attacks by saying that the naturally i was the one making the picture after all who would make the decisions i used what i wanted of manx and rightly or wrongly kept what i liked of my own and a strange little part of the contract was that a writer herman mankiewicz was contractually bound not to drink during the film's pre-production the writing because he was a known alcoholic at the time <laughs> so orson wells dispatched him to the desert town of victorville where drinking establishments were in shorter supplies and when, he says, County. <laughs> and when he says i sent john houseman with him it wasn't to oversee the writing it was to oversee the sobriety wow yeah so there we go in terms of the contract stated mankiewicz was to receive no credit for the work and he was hired as a script doctor so, if you will, he's the Joss Whedon of Joss Whedon, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. Um, but before he's on the contract, Mankiewicz was advised by his agents that all credit for his work belonged to Wells and the Mercury Theater. But near the end, Mankiewicz began wanting a writing credit for the film and threatened to take out full-page ads and trade papers and to get his friend to write an expose for the Saturday Evening Post. He also threatened to go to the Screenwriters Guild and claim full credit for getting the entire script, for writing the entire script by himself. 
Orson Welles then tries to buy out the screen credit of Herman Mankiewicz and tries to pay him off and does pay him several thousand dollars, but the Writers Guild got wind of this and said it wasn't permitted, and then when Welles tried to get his money back, Mankiewicz had already spent it. (laughs) (laughs) On drink. I don't know. Maybe. It's it's possible. Yeah. You know, pre-production's over. I know. Uh, After lodging a protest uh, with the Screenwriters Guild, Mankiewicz then withdrew it, then kind of went back and forth, and eventually in January 1941, uh, RKO... uh, the studio awarded Mankiewicz some writing credit, and the guild form listed Wells first and Mankiewicz second. Um, there is reports that um, Orson Wells wanted to put Mankiewicz's name first after that, for whatever reason. Hey, I wonder why that was. The original credit reads screenplay by Herman J. Mankiewicz and Orson Wells. You could argue alphabetical order. Uh, okay. You could. But why fight it all that time and then... Because the studio stepped in? Yeah. So now you're like, oh, I'm going to be the good guy here. And I would have lost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they didn't make up over the last 12 years of Mankiewicz's life. Orson so. Welles don't strike me as the kind of guy that would back down too often. No, I think Orson Welles. You know? You, you got to kind of wonder if you look at the control that, that Citizen Kane's looking at. <laughs> how, how, how far removed? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, questions were later uh, revived up in 1971 and then again in 1978. But at the end, it came to the conclusion but the full evidence reveals that Orson Welles' contribution to Citizen Kane's script was not only substantial, but definitive. He is the author, according to that report, of Citizen Kane. So the problem was, Orson Welles never made a film before. He'd done radio, he'd done theater. So what does he know about camera work? Not much. Not much. So he actually made himself basically a crash course on how to make a movie and made a practical reference book of film techniques that he studied carefully. And he taught himself filmmaking by matching the visual vocabulary to several films, including John Ford's Stagecoach, which he watched 40 times. Uh, As it it turned out, the first day I ever walked onto a set was my first day as a director. (laughs) I learned whatever I knew in the projection room from Ford. After dinner, every night for a month, I'd run Stagecoach with different technicians and ask them, how was this done? Why? Why was this done? It was like going to school. And then the studio starts showing up on the set. And remember, he's got full control. Uh-huh. So I love this. <laughs> um, so when they start showing up, you see, Orson had been doing something a little bit sneaky and filming before it was officially like greenlit. Ooh. So that he could kind of go, well, we've already started. You know, you may as well give it to us. So he kept calling them like test shots. But he wasn't test shooting at all. He was actually shooting the film. Is that why and most of the characters were blacked out? He wanted to come in. He wanted to come in on budget and like on time. So he's yeah. like, if we get ahead of the game, we'll be all right. Well, okay, that makes sense. So um, he did. He really couldn't tell them. I've already started doing Citizen Kane. Eventually, he was officially allowed to begin filming, and then he told the press, "Yeah, we did some tests, but they were so good, we're going to choose to keep them and not nah. reshoot them after all." <laughs> And so uh, they wanted to see the paper, some, some of the films. So Wells threw a cocktail party for the reporters saying, you could watch a scene we've just filmed. And when they showed up, he said, oh, we've just finished, but stay for the party. And so they ate and they drank and never got to see it whatsoever. <laughs> That's brilliant. So um, direction. Yeah. And so he was just trying to get across the idea that he didn't want to be seen as a failure in Hollywood. And he was going to hold it from them for as long as he could. And uh, at one point, the last thing I'll say about that before moving on to other members of the crew is that, once again, some zealous members of the studio came by, and the order was, as soon as you see people from from the studio, everybody stops, goes out back, and we play softball. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> which is great i'd love that if we we're on a break if, if, if we're just if, if i'm teaching and all of a sudden someone comes in for an observation and we go all right guys we just walk out back and start playing baseball until it's over brilliant um we should talk about his director of cinematography greg toland amazing yeah um he was described to wells as the number one camera cameraman in the world um i agree with that so at to- that time. to his astonishment toland visited wells at at his office and said i want you to use me on your picture because mm. he wanted to work with someone who had never made a movie that makes sense because he wouldn't be constricted yes. by what he's supposed to do yes it's a really interesting choice I and a choice that would happen throughout the film in many ways actually. i think it's a great choice it'd be really hard now yeah how many directors are you gonna get to get greenlit who have never worked on a film exactly Man. yeah especially in a world of like youtube and like people have held cameras and you know he didn't he didn't even know what the angles were supposed to mean for the but remember this is still early days it's of very cinema. early days of cinema. 1941 yeah yeah it's not angels with dirty faces but no. it's not too far removed yeah so uh rko hired toland on loan from samuel goldwyn productions and well said he never tried to impress us that he was doing any miracles although he clearly was he says i was calling for things that only a beginner would have been ignorant enough to think anybody could ever do and then he did them <laughs> uh Toland later explained he wanted to work with wells because he anticipated the director's first time and experience and reputation for audacious experimentation of a theater would allow him to try new and innovative camera techniques a typical uh, hollywood films would never allow him to do uh unaware of filming protocol wells adjusted the lights on set as he was accustomed to doing in the theater uh tolan quickly rebalanced them and was angry one of the film crew informed wells that he was infringing upon tolan's responsibility so it sounds like they work together really well actually yeah and tolan's like let him do whatever he wants i'll do whatever but don't don't upset him yeah i like the fact that he's thinking about doing these things yeah so uh wells credited tolan so he was a jerk to mankowitz we can all agree yeah he credited Tolan on the same title card as himself. So usually it would be directed by. And he have the screen to himself. He saves the movie. Say, oh, I think you're being. Liam, that's the that's Citizen Kane, up until recently, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, saved by Greg Tolan, yes, Liam says. in my view. Um, he called uh, Tolan the best director of photography that ever existed, and the score was done by Bernard Herrmann, who would go on to be a top film composer from the 40s to the 70s and would work from several of Alfred Hitchcock's most famous works. Nice. So let's, I mean. You can kind of see that. It was though. a long intro but then again i don't think there's as much to say about the movie itself it's 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 of a different time for sure you've said a lot of the a lot of the stuff like the the cinematography is one of the biggest things cinematography is great amazing so we have at least in our version we had a bbfc title card a signature that said it had passed and it's just the title, no names, which no one did at that point. You got the full list of names. It was some coral kind of over it, but you didn't get that here. And then I'm like, are those monkeys? Are those yes. gondolas? Monkeys. Mon- monkeys fading into gondolas. Did anybody think Xanadu was going to be a bigger part of this film? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. No. No. Because I was thinking the whole film, we still haven't had to Xanadu yet. All oh. I was Olivia and John. Why, she just Xanadu as a song? Yeah. yeah. We have Rosebud and the Snow Globe, and I've literally written, what the hell are we watching? Oh, no. And the old man is dead. And uh, they pioneered, which I didn't think would be a big deal, but it was, deep focus. And deep focus is when everything in the shot is in focus. That was... Which apparently you couldn't do back in the day. I, I, like I would have thought the opposite would have been true, that yeah. actually being selective of your focus would have been the, the, the innovation, but mm. actually just the opposite. Mm. So it was... What it did allow them to do is, like, block things in really deep... Mm-hmm. Like there were times when we were talking about 
there's three or four different levels yeah. of visuals, almost like you do on stage, which is probably what you're, yeah. you're seeing here. Yeah. It's his sort of stage direction. But you would see them, and you go like, I wouldn't shoot it from that. I'd shoot it from over here, but that's because I sort of know the conv- – so this is kind of the example of it. As a result, you had some really interesting-looking shots. Oh, brilliant. Um, you had also – I mean, the idea about high and low angles – you know, low angle to make them look powerful and high angle to make them look weak. Like, that's not commonplace yet. Oh, really? No, so like, he's being like yeah. really innovative here. That was cool. He, it was used a lot. It, it was used a yeah, lot in the yeah, film, yeah. but I think it's like he stumbled upon this new idea and went, yeah, because Kane is almost always shot from underneath. Yeah. Almost exclusively from underneath. Give him that taller status. Yeah. Make him yeah. look powerful, make him mm-hmm. look intimidating. Uh, it was a rare film in that it would, the principal roles were played by actors new to motion pictures. Ten of them were from his Mercury Actors Theater group. Um, he also uh, features the film debuts of several other people, including Orson Welles himself. I thought it was interesting how that was like a little segment right at the end of the film with the credits of like who was new to theater. I, mean, I wonder if that's how the original cut was. Yeah. Because the idea about having the Chiron or the graphic with the name and the thing, that seems like a very recent thing. Yeah. But I have no reason to think it wouldn't be. No. Yeah, because if, you, if you're going to show me the stupid BBFC card at the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, although the fact they weren't they weren't film stars doesn't mean they weren't well-known. They were well-known as Broadway stars and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, were, they, they were probably bigger back then, stage, yeah. stage-wise. Yeah, if you were... Because you'd, you'd be visiting stage more than you would theatre, wouldn't well, you, the at that time? The difference is, if you're in a big city, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, what cinema does is it brings the opportunity to show these these stories across America and across yeah. the world. And again, gave you access to what we would call now called cultural capital. Mm-hmm. You can now have the same experience as people in the city because it can come to you. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, We'll I'll talk about a couple of them as we get through them. But I'll tell you what maybe I don't know if I needed in this film is this news on the march scene where you get like the whole story oh. before the story. I really liked it. I was so overwhelmed. Know, you, both, you both were going, I hope this slows down. And I was going, keep it up. Oh, this is great. Well, keep in mind, I'm, I'm trying to take <laughs> notes. No, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going, I have no idea where we are. <laughs> okay, he's married. Now he's, okay. I mean, this film's going to be four minutes long. It was like, ended up being like 15 minutes long at that yeah. point. It was a long scene. Um, it satirizes the journalistic style of the March of Time, a news documentary and dramatization series presented by Time Incorporated. Uh, from 1935 to 1938, Wells was a member of the unaccredited uh, company of actors that presented the original radio version. So mm-hmm. he has some links with this. The early footage that was called Orson Welles' Tests on Paperwork, the first test shot was of a News in the March projection room scene. So that scene in the room when they're talking about what they've seen is one of his sneaky shots that he did when it wasn't officially a movie yet. Um, it was filmed in a real studio projection room in darkness that masked many actors who appeared in other roles later in the film. So that way say, you don't have to pay them twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, at $809, Again, Orson ran substantially do, beyond the test budget of 528 What's that, to double up actors? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, because today that would be like, oh, you, you, you need to hire another actor. That's another job. Yeah. yeah. Whereas you'd on stage. I like the idea of going, look, we don't... It's a, Even professionally still. Yeah, like, what's the... Like, yeah, hire, two, hire the same guy for two. Is it going to kill you? Yeah, yeah. Because you could pay one person more. Then. If they're in dark, the dark, what does it matter? Yeah, yeah. Hey, when I did Oliver on stage, I played three characters. There you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Hamilton. And yeah, yeah. And the news on the March sequence was edited by RKO's newsreel division to give it authenticity. I, that did feel. It felt of its time. It did, yeah. 
Um, just just half a second. Yep. Every single time you say RKO, I cannot help but think of wrestling. RKO! RKO! Out of nowhere! Out of nowhere! <laughs> I just think of um, Rocky Horror. Yeah, because that's, 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 that's how I knew RKO at the start. Yeah. yeah. Um, when the March of Time narrator, so there was a guy who really did this called Westbrook von Voorhees. What a name? Westbrook. Mm. Westbrook. Von Voorhees? Oh, come to bed, Westbrook! I think he goes by Westy. Westy. Yo, Westy. Yo, Westy. Sounds like a dog. Westy. He's a type of dog, isn't he? Um, he asked for 25 grand exactly. to narrate the news in the March sequence. He goes, I am the voice of that thing. You that, need me. That's a Pay big me. That's a big payment. Um, nice. Instead, they got a member of the cast who could do a pretty good impression. Ah. <laughs> Don't so, too and, much. And, and so Wells cast him for, and probably saved him 25 grand. Wow. So, uh, we learn a lot about Florida Xanadu. There's a lot of crates with Kane's name on it. We're told it's the biggest private zoo since Noah. I felt the film didn't really get across the idea that he acquired, like, we heard st- stories, yeah. but we never actually saw him surrounded by copious amounts of stuff until he was dead. And then we just see it in the where, and like, oh, weird, oh, yeah, it? it was, cause, and if anything, in those scenes in the Xanadu sort of mansion later, if, they emphasize how empty it is yeah. Yeah. with the audio. So I'm like, I never got this idea that it was full of, and she goes, oh, it's another thing. And I'm like, we never had a shot of them mention, walking. She mentions it, but we never see it. She mentions that they're all, they're all hidden away. Yeah, but, oh. Which, which they are. I swear it's so I've weird, that, though, isn't that, it? I swear I've seen that staircase in something else. Probably. I mean, I reckon you, they you reused, would reuse it. I reckon they reused that. So if anybody knows out there. I think I was in Dracula, but there we are. Um, it's called The Costliest Monument That a Man's Ever Made to Himself. I will say this. I don't know who ended up with the final, right? Who wrote what lines? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good lines in this. Mm-hmm. The, the script is well done. Um, Xanadu's landlord was laid to rest. America's Kublai Khan equals Charles Foster Kane. And you know me. I love a good newspaper montage. And this <laughs> film said, want to bet? Because we're going to show you a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, it was Angels with Dirty Faces that had a bunch of newspaper montages and that as well. He's like an old-timey Rupert Murdoch. I was going to say Rupert Murdoch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Earlier on. Yeah, but he's this guy who's like, I will create the news. Yeah. It will say what I want it to say. Yeah. And I'm going to build my empire through telling people my version of the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exactly that. And we get his backstory, kind of. And I've got my notes. I feel so overwhelmed. Um, he's there's a, uh, sort of accusations that Kane is a communist or a fascist, which is I want you to remember when we talk about um, Orson Welles in a minute, okay, and his feuds that he had uh, all these years. Uh, so we're told from like 1910 to 1944 or whatever, and we got told all these years he covered many of these years he was as as he is the spirit of the age. I was yeah. like, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant writing, especially in this first like 15 minutes. Yeah. And uh, then there's a shot, and you could have told me that I looked like Liam in the front row. Yeah, <laughs> we, we stopped it and paused it because Liam Liam's the one who didn't pick up on it. Oh, yeah, no. But I said, "That's Liam." And yeah. She went, "It is." It's all being funny. You guys spend more time looking at me than I spend looking at myself. So <laughs> I think, I, yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and so uh, we find out Kane married twice: once the niece of a president, once an opera singer in quotations uh <laughs> kane was a political juggernaut and then scandal brings him down and he says don't believe everything you hear on the radio which is that a subtle dig or yeah. not dig but a subtle like or don't forget me i'm orson wells who did war of the worlds yeah. don't don't that, don't believe everything you hear on the radio that feels like that doesn't it like i know he's a newspaper mogul yeah yeah it's still a fun line mm-hmm. and they want to know what kane's last words were which we know it's rosebud but they go 
you know, well, what is Rosebud? Is it a racehorse? What is it? And this became the, the sort of the key oomph of this film. The, 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 it, was, it was the reason for the story. What, what, yeah. what, what does Rosebud mean? And it was really interesting because I've heard Rosebud like that the way it said quoted in so many different Rosebud. things but didn't know that it was from Citizen Kane so oh, know, I knew minute, I knew it was this I was going <gasps> and there's a great black and white projection scene where you just see them as silhouettes arguing about what Rosebud mm. could be and we don't show oh it's just there's so much they do with light and darkness in oh, this film that's brilliant. which if you're shooting black and white it's part of it yeah and it sort of steers into film noir in general yeah um I'd like to see more film noir I want to see LA Confidential that's apparently a great film noir or I, 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 yeah I enjoyed that or if people if you haven't seen that uh, the first like 10 minutes of Casino Royale the James Bond reboot yes that shot in a film noir kind of style if you want to see a more modern one and uh, one that features our guest from next week sean passard shipwrecked comedy have done uh, the case of the gilded lily which is a film noir it's very good it's only about 40 minutes long there we go so uh then we go to el rancho and we meet susan alexander kane played by dorothy cummingor uh i don't know what what would you make of i mean she's the she's the female star we get the most time with yeah I can't figure if she's a good actress or if she she's is. or if she, I can't figure if she's a bad actress or she's really good at playing a bad actress. I think she's good at playing <laughs> a bad actress. I think so because she's a stage vet, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, not all the cast came from the Mercury Players. Uh, Dorothy Comingore was an actress who played supporting parts in films since 1934. So there goes my whole point about being a stage oh, actress. Okay. But she's got a screen look of yep. the time, hasn't she? She was a discovery of Charlie Chaplin. Oh, that's a cool. That's a cool little step. Yeah, uh, recommended to Wells by Chaplin. That's pretty amazing to go. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Chaplin recommended me to Orson Wells. That's pretty awesome. You know, as I do. Um, Xanadu. Yeah, many assume she was based on Marion Davies, Hearst's mistress, whose career he managed and promoted as a motion picture actress. Again feels pretty close to the source yeah this assumption was a major reason that hearst tried to destroy citizen kane Ooh. Uh, wells denied the character was based on davies whom he called an extraordinary woman nothing like the character dorothy Comingore played in the movie which is true dorothy is quite sorry her character uh, susan is quite is quite ordinary in this film yeah yeah so that's not a bad way to refute that. He goes, no, no, your mistress is is, is an extraordinary woman. Extraordinary. It's very clever, nothing, nothing like this ordinary woman. Yes, I I, yeah. <laughs> uh, he cited Insel's building of the Chicago Opera House and McCormick's lavish production of the opera career of a second wife as direct influences on the screenplay. Uh, she's a drunk and she's... Well, she looks like she's a drunk and she looks like she's in mourning. Yeah. Which, given where the plot goes, I'm not sure I fully understand. No. Um, it's interesting that she's still trying to be a singer. It's the only thing she's ever known. But she said she didn't that, want to do it? that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she a wants to style, be. Style though, isn't it? She's like running a nightclub now. Maybe she wants to be in control of it. Yeah. I want to do it because I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just as likely to talk about him as anybody else, but won't do so now. And a third party tells us she's never heard of Rosebud. And that gets us to meet Walter P. Thatcher, uh, played by George Kurus. Apparently, he's based on J.P. Morgan. Uh, he's uh, Bernstein is also. We meet him in this nice little same section. But first, we got to hit the 19, 1871 and meet Mary Kane, his mom, who in one scene was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Played a fairly cold woman. Yes, yeah, stern. Very. So, I'm trying to figure out exactly what happened here. But if I, they've come into money. Because they had some land that was recently reacquired. By the government, I guess. By the government, because it 
was a mine and i think they realized that it still had stuff in it somehow it all goes to her because she's the one who it was left to oh because it's okay it's not a family heirloom okay it's like someone that she looked after i think in her boarding house solely to her left of the so as a result um they're each receive an annual salary Mm -hmm. until they die but the majority of it's going to be put in a trust for um charles kane Mm-hmm. Little Orson, and he's going to go live. And I'll tell you what, the kid looked just like Orson Welles. Yeah. He did, didn't he, for his age? Oh my word! Yeah, and he's going to go, and he's outside having the world's best time on a sledge he while is. this is taking place. He's loving it. And um, well, imagine that—you go outside and you play on your sledge, and you come. Your parents go outside and go. By the way, yeah, you're moving. <laughs> Meet so and so. You're going to go live with him now in the big city. Um, Orson doesn't take it that well. No, he, Orson, would you? Charles doesn't take it that well. I think I'll call him Charlie or something at this point. Uh, And he ends up going to New York. And that's it for the kid as well. But we see the sled is left behind in the snow as we hear the train whistle in the background. I like that snow. I'd like to know what they used because... That looked very um, CGI. Traditionally, soap flakes, I believe, oh, okay. that they used to use for snow. I could be wrong. But that is accurate, that. but I don't know if it's necessarily in this film. But yeah, it was. No. It, would, it would be a thing, yeah. Because I looked, I looked false. Well, obviously, also, it was false, but it looked weird it's on also, screen. Um, he also uses the sledge to attack the new guy. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, Agnes Moorhead, who played his mother, said he trained us for films at the same time he was training himself. Orson believed in good acting, and he realized that rehearsals were needed to get the most from his actors. That was Stay something safe. new in Hollywood. Nobody seemed interested in bringing in a group to rehearse before scenes were shot, but Orson knew it was, ne- it was necessary. We rehearsed every sequence before it was shot. And I think, sorry, you, you said something there. I think you're 100% right. Yes, the stage work isn't it absolutely you can't just turn on the camera right. and then go how about we have it figured out before we turn the cameras on especially yeah, yeah, if you're yeah, trying yeah. to keep it under budget yeah mm-hmm. like, it's just logic isn't it rehearsal is free yeah yeah go over there figure it out then we'll put you over here we'll run it with the, with, with the spots and the stage and the lights and all that stuff and then we'll and shoot then it we'll film. Yeah. yeah heck of an idea yep um i've got all that so then we have merry christmas and it's we got a crazy low angle on thatcher and a high angle on kane and a series of letters demonstrates the passage of time and we find out through a letter that's been sent that uh charles thinks it'd be fun to run a newspaper <laughs> and then we have another like newspaper montage and it's just a bunch of storylines literally read to us yep. by same uh, storyline but just different angles it's like a series of things that obvious and it's very self-congratulatory yeah inquirer wins again yeah. and it's like oh you're oh charles you're not the the, the good guy you're presenting yourself no. as it's really interesting because i want to thing is i want to like to charles like yeah. Yeah, yeah um it's hard to in this film and i've gotten my notes at first he's a good man and sees the paper as a chance to correct the problems in the status quo mm-hmm. well actually that's just what he wants you to believe that's yeah. what he's I, I think that's what he's telling himself to begin with oh i think so oh, i think so too yeah. yeah friend of the common man friend yeah. of the working man he expects to lose a million dollars a year he's told oh you lost a million dollars great that means i'll have 60 years until we got to close this place <laughs> up which 60 million dollars back then, that time whoo whoa you're talking like what the conversion is i'm gonna have a look you go ahead look at what 60 million in, in the 40s oh, no because that's when it comes 20s. out yeah is it like 1919 or something like that yeah must be something like that you take a look at that and no. while you're doing that i can talk about orson welles i think awesome. it's earlier because um it says that 
they that Thatcher first encountered Mr. Kane in eighteen seventy one. Okay. And then when he when he has independence, he's twenty five. So he must have been like what ten when he encountered him. Okay. So if we say if we so see what it's a, late, if late, we say nineteen hundred century, yeah. We do 1900 instead. Um, Wells never confirmed a principal source for the character of Charles Foster Kane. It's supposed to be a synthesis of many personalities, but Hearst is clearly used, we think, as the main source. Some events and details were invented, um, but it, Wells said himself, Mr. Hearst was quite a bit like Kane, although Kane isn't really founded on Hearst in particular. Uh, many people sat for it, so to speak, and he acknowledges that aspects of Kane were drawn from the lives of two business tycoons familiar from his youth as well, Samuel Insull and Harold Fowler McCormick. But as a known supporter of President Roosevelt, uh, this is Orson Welles, mm-hmm. whom both McCormick and Hearst opposed based on the successful attempts to control the content of radio programs and print media, uh, Wells may have had incentive to use this film to smear both men. And this is where you go, well, what did Hearst do to try and sort of fix yeah. this? Yeah. Well, Orson Welles received a warning from someone that William Randolph Hearst had arranged for a naked woman to jump into his arms when he entered his hotel room. And there was also a photographer in the room ready to take a picture (laughs) that would be used to scandalize him. Welles, therefore, spent the night elsewhere, and it's unknown if the warning was ever true. Because no one ever went to a door, (laughs) did they? No, no. He also was so angered by the film, he accused Orson Welles of being a communist in order to keep the film from being released. Now, back... That's a bit of a slur, isn't it? In 41, it's not what it would have been in the 50s. Like, if it's 55, and, like, McCarthyism is, like, all over the place, oh, you could take someone down for that. It's still not great at all. No, no, no. no. Uh, So, on the night the movie opened in San Francisco, Orson Welles found himself alone with William Randolph Hearst in an elevator at the city's (laughs) Fairmont Hotel. (laughs) Aware that his father and Hearst were friends, Welles extended an invitation to the Magnet to come to the film's premiere. Hearst turned down the offer, and as he was about to exit the elevator at his floor, Wells remarked, Charles Foster Kane would have accepted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Wells usually worked fourteen to sorry, sixteen to eighteen hours a day on the film. He began work at four AM because the makeup needed to age him for the scenes took four hours to apply. He would use this time to discuss the day's shooting with Greg Toland and other crew members. They used special contact lenses to make him look elderly and prove very painful. A doctor was employed to place him into Wells' eyes and he had hard he had a hard time seeing clearly when wearing them, which caused him to badly cut his wrist when shooting the scene where he breaks all the furniture. I was going to say, wow. that, yeah. was, that seemed very... I think I just... Being able to see, I think just all that broken wood would probably cut me open yeah. some point. How does, how does a contact lens make you look older? Uh, it takes away some of the vibrancy in your eye. I don't know, especially if you're black and white. I mean, that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the injury required him to direct the film from a wheelchair for two weeks. Um, and so, uh, according to Ruth Warwick... Um, Orson Welles was not in good shape at the beginning of the production. Uh, he suffered from the effects of caffeine poisoning as a result of consuming 30 to 40 cups of coffee a day. Wow. Oh, I thought I was bad. He then switched to, uh, even at my worst, out of like 10 or 11 yeah. cups of coffee. Yeah. That's why I was working at the factory and like not sleeping like ever. That must have been like constant. Yeah. <laughs> like, think about that. Like, that is 24 hours in a day. If he's working, you know, 40 hour, sorry, 20 hour days. He's still having two cups of coffee an hour. That's crazy. at some point with four hey, hours sleep. What would that? Do? Yeah. What was that? What does it do to your, to your nerves? What does it do to your digestive tract? Yeah. I mean, I get really ill if I have too much, too many cups of tea in a day and then stop. My anxiety like, just spikes. I get I, like massive headaches and proper like caffeine withdrawal. So that would like 
kill me. <laughs> um, Wells had someone. Uh, so then he switched to tea, figuring this would. <laughs> the fact that I had to, he had to brew his own tea would slow him down, and then very quickly he just you know Jimmy the intern. <laughs> that was his job, <laughs> Jimmy. And it said within two weeks he was the color of tannic acid. Now I don't know what tannic acid is. I imagine sounds very white. not good. Yeah. So um, it also reported that he would go for long periods without eating and then put away two or three large steaks with side items at one sitting. Okay. I mean, to be fair, shots fired, that sounds like me. There is a line in I this. I two steaks it, for dinner tonight. Two steaks? Oh, yeah. Early. Are you sure that wasn't a mistake? I need, I need some steak. <laughs> I like steak. They were, they were smallish steaks. Were they? But, okay. But yeah, it was, it was barbecue. So, you know, they were, they were cooked. They were there. You have to eat them, don't you? I'm the only one that eats them rare. So oh, had to have them. Yeah. Georgia, you, you, I can just add number zero, but you looked up the wrong number. Oh. You looked up 600,000. We oh, need to look up 60 million. So I have to add two zeros. So <laughs> zeros is in a million. I thought 60, it was six. Six. No, yeah, you've got five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and even if it was six, it was 60 million, not six million. So you still need another one. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to do some math here. So it would actually be equivalent to $1.9 billion today. Oh. He would have. Wow. And he's going, yeah, I got 60 years in me. Wow. Um, and so, uh, question I, I mind 1.9 billion. A question that I have to ask is when he's young, is Orson Welles a good looking man? Yes. Yeah. In that opening sequence? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about you, Ellie? It's all right. Yeah. He spends very little time being young, he's young. Not young, young for a, ever no. long. No. no. So the benefit was like I could ask you in the moment, is yeah. he good looking? And I went, yeah, he is. Yeah. During the scenes where Kane buys his first newspaper and delivers the line about being bankrupt in 60 years, he appears to be dressed as himself at his actual age. This is when I called him like, um, like, a, like, an, like an old timey Colin Firth. With the, like, yes, open, with the open shirt. shirt yeah. yeah. So how old are you? Been, oh, well, we'll have the age oh, game oh, in a oh, bit. Yeah, sure. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wells has indicated in interviews that he was made even more. He was even more made up playing a young man than as an old one, with temporary facelifts and hairstyling, as well as camera tricks made to make him look much more beautiful than he actually was. He said, as a result of this, he spent years living down. How everyone was saying, "You've really lost your youthful looks," and he's like, "I was never that good looking." <laughs> <laughs> but you just think that I was how so, I looked in that that's film. Impressive thing, because it didn't look fake. No, nah, he looks really good. Looks really good in those. Yeah. I can't yeah. say that for later though. No, no. Uh, then we get to um, sort of a series of interviews and whatnot. And uh, we have an interview with Mr. Bernstein, and they want to know about Rosebud. And Bernstein says, Look, it could have been a girl he lost, yeah. But then he goes, I saw a girl once. who She, she never saw me. But, you know, I think about her at least once a month. It was a girl with a, with a, with a parasol. And somewhere James Blunt went, you're beautiful. <laughs> You're beautiful. She smiled me on the subway. <laughs> she had a parasol in her hand. Stop doing these jokes when I have a drink in my mouth. I just wait for. I wait for you to pick the drink up, and I go, "What's something funny I can say right now?" It will be your broadcaster that gets it. I have it. been hanging on to that joke since he started talking about the parasol. I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do with this. Here we from another man. It's <laughs> the second time this podcast you've even you've almost had it. Um, and so. He said, how long have you known Kane? Since he had the money? He said, "Before I've known Kane since before the beginning and now after the end. Which I thought was a beautiful Before line. the beginning and after the end. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Great. Bernstein says, Thatcher never figured Kane out, and only he did. And he says, if what you want to do is you want to go talk to Leland. And we meet Jedediah Leland. 
Great name. Jebediah. What a name. Played by yeah. Joseph Cotton, which is also a pretty cool name as well. Yeah. And it's on the first day they take over The Inquirer. He's based on drama critic Ashton Stevens, um, which is Wells's close boyhood friend. Um, some detail came in from this as well from Mankiewicz's own experience as a drama critic in New York. I could have done with knowing he was the drama critic earlier in this film because I was like, why is he writing the drama review later on? Yeah, that's a bit odd, they it? introduce him right at the beginning as that. As a drama critic? Yeah. Oh, they should. They could have had him doing more stuff. Like, oh, they, there's a, there is a line that oh, I is there? It's, I, need, um, I need to see it. Oh. Orson Welles directly says, you're here for the drama bit, right? Or something. Oh, I thought he meant Not drama like, like you're here for like the drama. Oh, no, no, no. He said, he said, he said, the the drama. drama. I thought he was being like sensationalistic and going, no, no, no. You, you're here to see the fireworks go off, right? No, he's here to write about drama. Oh, I don't know. No. That. Okay. <laughs> I um, work correspondent. That's it. Um, and so we can see the ceiling in the newspaper office, which is actually quite unique because up until this point in many films, you would hide. You wouldn't you wouldn't show the ceiling because no. the ceilings where you'd house the lights. And actually, Orson Welles was like, it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible theater trick to do that. Let's, let's, let, no, no, we're going to shoot actual places that look like actual places. Because the number of shots I saw where I'm like, where have they put the lights for the scene? Mm-hmm. It's got to be off to the side because all these like nighttime Whatever. shots in rooms. So you can see they're all being shot from the side, which for yeah. a film noir in black and white, it gives it a it lot helps, of, actually. it gives it a great deal of atmosphere. atmosphere yeah. I don't yeah. know what happens if you do this in like color. Mm. Oh, if, if, what it would look like. Yeah. Which yeah. would have been an option in 1941. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so... A lot of them would have been wearing red, I can tell you that much. Yeah, because it, it looks better in... Yeah. Red looks good in black yeah. and white. The Lone yeah. Ranger used to wear purple. Yeah, is that right? Because that makes a nice shade of grey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, red makes black on, on black, in black and white. Oh, nice. Uh, I mean, I'm sure black does as well, but... Yeah. So Kane's moving in, which was news to the uh, editor of the newspaper. <laughs> uh, he's moving to a 24-hour news office, which was also news to the editor of the newspaper. And at one point, he's running. They cut to a new scene. He's running the paper. And he goes, are you still eating? He goes, I'm still hungry. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> also me. I'm like, respect. Yeah. Um, he's not the most integrous in his pursuit of the news. He's like, go down there. And if he refuses to, to talk, tell him you're a cop. And then if he do that, tell them that they're there. And he basically says, like, cause a scene. Yeah. Until they talk. Um, and he wants to do all this gossipy stuff. And yet he's going to go, I'm going to go ahead. He says, I'm going to put the truth in this paper. Um, I need to make this paper as important to people in New York City as the gas and these lights. And then he sits in the shadow as he talks about how he's going to put truth in the paper. And I'm like, is this this a lack of self-awareness? Is that what this is? He thinks he's the light, but he's actually in the dark? Because everyone else is lit up. Yeah. And he he's started not. out as the light, Yeah, he's gradually fading into the shadow. The shadow. It's like gradual. This is like day one of being in the newspaper yeah. business. Or well, day yeah, seven. Like, as a child. like oh, Maybe. Yeah. Um, And then Leland wants to hang on to the Declaration of Principles that he draws up. Oh, I like that. He says it might up being important. And I forgot all about it. I didn't. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't. No, I, I forgot thinking, about it. He mentioned that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We we get some window shopping where we see the circulation of the Inquirer is twenty six thousand. That's how many newspapers you would send out in a day. Yeah, and we go to the Chronicle, who are just shy of half a million at four hundred ninety five thousand. This picture of their great, which is no mean their team, their team of of, of reporters, and yeah. then we have a much nicer shot of the same people in the same seats, and he's bought them all. And we were told mm-hmm. that it took the Chronicle six years, twenty years, twenty years to get, years to, get to that thing. It took him yeah. six years he to buy everybody, and he's around six hundred and eighty-four thousand. Yeah. Yeah, he is Reefer Murdoch, and, and one hundred and thirty-two. Yeah. 
Yeah, yes. And then in come the chorus girls, and he's got his own theme song. And a catchy song it was. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. I what? thought this musical number was shit. Oh, I really like... Well, hang on. I like the chorus girls. I'm going to go with this. The performance by the girls is terrible. The song is very good. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I would agree. Because the guy who leads it is really good. But then they would jump in. Oh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Do you guys want to choose a note between you? If you focused on one of them or like any individual yeah. of them, you'd see them kind of going, I mean, you're not going to be able to see me do this, but like, like we've all been in rehearsals for a dance and you're like following the person in yeah. front and you're like half a second behind mm-hmm. or like you're not smiling because yeah, your face me. is kind this of This is going, how I met your mother referred to as the great. Spice Girls effect. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at any of them by themselves. They're but as a group, you yeah, go, oh, yeah. it looks it looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you really not like? Is it the song or is it the performance? All of it. I found it an absolute letdown. Oh, I, was I like, loved the song. Excellent musical number. This is going to make the film for me. I and then I was the like, song. oh, I hate it. I oh, really hate it. I really love the song. Liam, yeah, I, I liked it. I enjoyed oh, yeah. it. I like that it came back again and again it, it, in different. The melody kept coming back yeah. in in the score. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. This was originally supposed to take place in a brothel. Nah. But the Hayes Code, remember the Hayes Code when we did Sound Like It Hot? Yep. Wouldn't allow it. Oh. <laughs> Apparently brothels are not allowed if you want to get it. Are they off the, off the cards, brothels? They're off the cards. So uh, it was just a little fun little fact. What if they went to a whorehouse? <laughs> Is that allowed? As opposed to a brothel? <laughs> to a brothel. Right, it's probably the same problem. <laughs> yeah. What if they called it a shag den? <laughs> we get some foreshadowing because Kane announces he's going he's going on holiday and then we find out he's buying statues and a big old diamond and they're like he doesn't collect diamonds they go no he's collecting someone who collects diamonds and this is where we find out he's home with a mustache mustache and a fiance mm-hmm. I did not notice he'd grown a mustache oh did you not I did yeah. also he's now wearing white and not black is that right mm-hmm. back to modern day everyone's going, maybe Rosebud was something he lost and the press the guy from the press is told to go see Mr. Leland um, and he, he kind of knows where, where to find him, and um, we get this great line from uh, Leland, who's sitting there, uh, obviously in some sort of, I don't know, if, I want to call it hospice care. He's not that, but it's clear that he's not probably coming out of here. No. He has a brilliant line about old age. He says, old age is the only disease that you don't look forward to being cured of. Such a good line. Ooh, it's really well written. That is, yeah. isn't it? Um, and he goes, do you remember anything? He goes, I remember everything. That's my curse. That's the curse of humanity. We remember the past. I remember everything. That Both me of uh, Jim Steinman. <laughs> I have no idea what you're referring to. No, neither. No. Every time I hear that. Uh, uh, you're not going to provide any extra context on oh, that? Or? Jim Steinman. He's the, he's the writer for Meatloaf. And he used to fill in bits of songs on okay. an album with different, like, talky bits. And they were pretty much rubbish most of the time. But that particular one is quite good. Okay. Uh, he says that Charlie wasn't brutal. He just did brutal things, which I thought, again, was a nice turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably accurate. Yeah. 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 The reporters often... The reporter's great because he's kept out of the frame almost the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Clever idea. he's not the story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really liked it. Clever. Uh, Leyland never believed anything he read in The Inquirer, which is funny. And he says, well, talk me about the marriage between Emily and uh, Charlie. When it was a marriage, it's like any other marriage. And we get this montage of how the marriage falling apart. starts and yeah. then breaks down mm-hmm. based over this series of breakfasts is and by the end of it she's reading the chronicle yeah well at the start it's yeah. like do you have to go in or maybe i can stay up late what time's now it's like oh it's not late it's early and it's like you know you can tell they're, yeah, they're, they're gonna yeah. go have some amorous activity and then you see them age 
and you see them taking a little less care about how they look for each other. Yeah. And she's constantly bickering about what he's putting in his newspaper. Uh, and you get the idea. I mean, she is a woman of society. Mm-hmm. She's the niece of the president. Um, doesn't want the, the, the news saying negative things about him. And at first, I think she's interfering. But then I think you go, I think she's just calling him out that this paper's trash. Yeah. Yep. And it finishes, of course, with they're sat there and we see her. And you no noticed more, that. I didn't. No more chatter. But she's there. Just in pure silence. Yeah. She's reading the Chronicle. Mm-hmm. He's reading the Inquirer. Um, this is Emily Monroe, Montreux Norton Kane, played by Ruth Warwick. Uh, Wells had met her while visiting New York on a break from Hollywood. Remembered her as a good fit for Emily Norton Kane, saying she looked the part. Mm. Uh, Warwick told Carringer she was struck by the uh, extraordinary resemblance between herself and Wells's mother. Mm. Kind of they a, do, kind they of do a look very thing. similar. No, no, Wells's real oh, mother. Wells's real yeah, mother. Yeah, yeah. They, the, uh, the two in the film look very similar as well. And she characterized her own personal relationship with Wells as motherly. Bit of a weird thing to say. Mm. Mm. It is, yeah. And she dies as the last surviving member of the principal cast. Uh, marriage breaks down over conversation it's colder as we go along we've said that Uh, the breakfast scene uh, took two weeks to edit uh, to get the correct timing and rhythm for the whip pans and the overlapping dialogue so I'm not too surprised no that was was, it was done well yep and then we meet Susan Alexander and you know we know he's dissatisfied and he's got this thing where he has to be liked by people Mm -hmm. right and so yeah but I think it stems from the beginning doesn't it well, we can sort of yeah. wrap around when we get to that point. But so then he meets Susan Alexander, who's got a toothache. A lot of toothache. And he's got mud on his face. And are we going to explain this? Nope. I think it's because a car came past and splashed I him. Think so, but yeah. That's what. Did we see it? I don't think so. No, I said, so. yeah, okay. Yeah. I could have just used that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like him, like, he told me he didn't have enough time for like a four second shot of him, like on the side, car goes by, went, ah, and like shouting after it. And then yeah. maybe they couldn't have got a car to they couldn't film the car i don't know um he's wiggling his ears for her amusement (laughs) to which i showed off that i could also do that (laughs) she really annoyed me yeah because she when she said that she had a toothache she was like i got her night like she couldn't speak and then everything else she said was perfect that was very (laughs) tough yep true um she's she says oh i'm awful ignorant (laughs) (laughs) awful ignorant but she likes him and he likes her because she doesn't know him but still likes him. Yeah. I get that. There's an ego thing in that, isn't there? There's an ego thing in this. But also the idea that I imagine he gets a lot of yes men and yes women, right? And mm-hmm. now someone doesn't know how important he is but likes him genuinely for who he is. Mm. Man with mud on face. <laughs> who can wiggle his ears. Um, what a catch. She used to be a singer, and then he's like, sing for me. Now, I think movies have trained us to go, oh, look, he's going to find this talent, which is one way you can look at this and go, he's, you know, he's he's not letting her give up on dreams. Or you can go, he's awfully controlling. Very controlling. That's how I took it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think I've seen this. To like, begin with, it was the, oh, no, go for it. Because he's the guy and with the means becomes... that can make her dream happen. Mm. Yeah. And I've got Q Ellie, because I didn't think she was that bad a singer. I didn't no. either. Um, at different times, she wasn't like she definitely wasn't that bad a singer as no. they made her out to be. No, I think in the when she initially sings, it was very like I didn't like it at all. But when the, when she had the um singing teacher yeah. in the actual opera was, scenes, yeah, she's, she's really quite good. Yeah, he was pitchy though on the note where he was saying well on that one well, note. But that's part of the thing, isn't it? But see, it's, but it's, yeah, in general, she wasn't that bad. See, it's always dangerous to do things like this, or maybe it's easy. For, I have no idea. But like, number there's a large number of people who really can't tell 
Like, we watch Strictly Come Dancing in this country, right? We do, yeah. I can't tell you if a dance yeah. is good or not. I don't have a clue. But we all go and go, oh, they messed, up. Oh, they messed that up. I'm like, how do you know? Same go, with Great British Bake Off. What I thought was that she... It wasn't that she was a bad singer. She she wasn't good enough to be like a professional opera singer. But I guess but my, she wasn't bad. I guess my point is: Does your average moviegoer have any idea if she's good enough? No, it, she wasn't no. bad enough to warrant the no, plot she wasn't that was around the fact that she was really bad. She wasn't, it wasn't like Florence Foster Jenkins. No, she's like a decent. She's she's like a decent amateur. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah definitely. And so there's the bit where they that she's singing on the stage. And they pan up, and you have these two guys in the rigging, mm-hmm. and the guy like holds his nose. And I'm like, everything sounds really good to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. once you, so what they need to do is reverse the scene and put the scene with the singing teachers like banging on the note and going, "You should be here, dude. Down here, you should be here." And you're like, oh, "No, hit that note." Like that. And then I go, "Oh, she's bad." But actually, I went, "Geez." He's done all right. He's yeah. got her. He's he's, bought, he's got her sort of a gig. He's obviously been really good to her. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't work. Still giving us stage directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Kane goes for governor. He's the friend of the working man. And I'll tell you what, he is not like pulling any punches with this guy. He's like, I'm going to get this guy arrested. Yeah. <laughs> My first act in office is to see him behind bars. This is the scene that I knew of. Like, this is the oh, scene yeah, you yeah. see, the big poster behind him, elect Kane, with his picture, yeah. and then he's in this... It's, bad it's a bad picture of him. Oh, it's a beautiful yeah. shot, though. Oh, it's a great shot, but a bad oh, picture Oh, so of him. good. Yeah. Um, he's actually addressing a still picture. Um, so, in the foreground, it's not real people. Uh, okay. And so, they give the illusion of it by shining a light through some pinholes they made to Very give the illusion clever. that as the camera yeah. moves, it's catching different bits of light on different people. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's probably one of the iconic shots of this clever. film. Um, and so he says, I'd make my promises now if I weren't too busy planning to keep them. It's a good line. It is. It's, it's a, lots it's of good a lines. good political line, that is. Um, so we see the son who's in, just totally endeared with his father. And that's the last time we'll see him in this movie. Uh, he's sent he's home in a first, cab. I think. Yeah. And they're going to go to Mary's house. Uh, not Mary's house. They're going to go to Susan's it's house. Susan's. Yeah. Um, and so Jim Gettys, we found out the opponent forced Susan to send the letter, ruining his political chances. And actually, if he just agrees to go away, he doesn't have to be um, outed. Basically, he doesn't have to be scandalized. In a couple of years, yeah, yeah. he's only given no. He, don't run. He this refuses time. to do it because he says no one's going to make up my mind for me but me. So this is the ego oh, we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he tells, which is a great line. He says, "Hey, if you want to say something to me, have the warden send me a letter." <laughs> And we have a newspaper psych out because for a second you think he wins. Yeah. It's they hold up the paper that says Kane elected. And then the opposite was uh, it says voter fraud. Yeah. Voter fraud at polls. Kane loses. Uh, we hear of a score again, but now it's a slowed down version of the. Kane was not what's able. his name? Boom, 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 boom. Uh, Leland lectures Kane about how Kane thinks he owns the working man, and what are you going to do when it's no longer a gift because you feel like it, but you actually have to give it to them because it's their rights? Mm-hmm. Mm. And Leland wants to go to Chicago. The Windy City. And so Kane, somewhere along here, he divorces his wife and marries Susan Alexander, 
and buys an opera house to make his wife a star. This is where they think she sucks. I thought she was all right. No, I thought she sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernstein tells us that Leland and Kane haven't spoken together for years. Leland is dr- like this supposed to be our hero. He's like drunk and passed out at his desk halfway through an assignment, and the paper can't go to print because he hasn't sobered up enough to finish him. it. Yeah, jeez. And so he writes the rest of the review but he writes it in leland's hand because in some ways he thinks he's still the man who tells the truth mm. it's really weird it's yeah. really weird because if it you're telling is. the truth you wouldn't put your wife in this in this spot that she's not ready for nope uh, it's so clever and so uh his review of the opera is says that she, um, susan's uh, a pretty but wholly incompetent amateur and her acting is a new low <laughs> Kane finishes the review in a bad way, which is a great psych out. And there's a beautiful shot of him in the foreground. We get Leland about halfway up on the right. And then we have Bernstein all the way at the back. And it's that deep focus we talked about. So good. Um, Yeah, it reminded me of a shot that um, you, Ethan, and uh, another person on stage you did um, when we were doing How to Succeed in Business. There's a shot, I think it was you, Ethan, and yes okay um and you were positioned oh, like it's, that. The, it's the it's the end of act one end of act one yeah and it it was the, that same kind of pull of focus it was i will return yeah, <laughs> i will return yeah um and so uh leland goes i don't think we were speaking and kane goes sure we're speaking you're fired uh we switch to leland in the present day he says kane was always trying to be honest or thought he was being honest you know she the newspaper called her a singer with quotation marks yeah. so he tried to turn her into a singer yeah to make to make that true and get rid of those quotation marks and I failed um and she left him with a half finished xanadu uh we go back to el rancho she didn't want to sing it was his idea everything was his idea we cut back to a flashback where someone who looked awful like groucho marks it was trying is. to get her to sing a note because he doesn't want to be a laughing stock of the musical world. And Kane basically threatens him and goes, you want me to la- laugh at stock of the musical world? I own like 10 papers. Yeah. I can make you it like that. So again, he's making two people do what they, they don't want to do. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to the opera. Leland is amused. Groucho is in pain. This is the <laughs> night that later he'll be fired on. Yeah. People around Charles are laughing. Uh, Leland is turning his program into like some sort of like a toy. Like a confetti. A confetti like monster. Yeah. Turning thing. Yeah, and we not, get, even, not even watching. He didn't even glance at her. And when it ends, um, we get Charles Kane doing the clapping gif. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like someone who's like really way well, over clapping. A lot of applause and a lot of flowers for someone who is supposed to be not very good. Well, I'm sure the flowers were orchestrated by him. Well, yeah, but the, the, there's a lot of clapping going on. Yeah, and this, this, this is a conversation about the optics then, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a series of, of newspaper headlines that say how she's going to Detroit and St. Louis yeah. and, all, and she's selling Sold out. Sold out shows, yeah, yeah. And back in New York, people love, now it's all, I think, from his network of papers. But the question then becomes, if you hear someone say long enough that something's good. People will go. Does it condition you to go, she's really good? Yeah. Yeah, you know the, the the impact of the media in our lives, and yeah. I could have done with a little bit more of the because pe- it seems like he's making this up, and it's not fooling her. But I'm like, it would have been good if we juxtaposed that against other people who weren't buying it. Yeah, and you panned around to half empty things instead, or you saw them actually buying into the hype, but she was left unsatisfied because she knows it's not real and she's not good enough. Mm. But it does neither of those two things. No, yeah. 
Um, it turns out she can hit some high notes after all because she yells at Kane mm. for Leland's review. Yeah. <laughs> and says, She is tenning all over. Did you give him a $25,000 check? I'm like, where was this woman's performance the rest of the movie? <laughs> Do you give him a $25,000 check? And he's torn it up and sent it back with a declaration of principles. You can't buy Leland off. Oh, I thought that was great. You can write down a bunch of principles or you can have principles. Yep. Yep. And he chose to have so the latter. Um, and he knew he had the last laugh. She wants to quit, and so Kane comes over and tells her she'll continue, and she's covered by his shadow. She's literally in his shadow. I felt mm. menaced by him. Yep. Um, they go uh, on tour, like we said. She's a big deal. She's overdosed on something or other. I didn't quite get what had happened yeah, there. That looked a sleeping aid or something like that? Something, she was given it? a tranquilizer, I think she was said by doctors but that it was in a very different bottle, so they don't know how she got it confused. So, and then... The I, was like a I think that's, I that's both of them talking around the obvious it issue. Is, it is, yeah, because yeah. Kane very much shuts up the doctor when they go, yeah, it must have been that. But he says, I'm going to still ask the nurse to stay here overnight. Yeah. yeah AKA, yeah. we think she's a suicide risk. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But you can't say that, because again, that's the public persona. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then she looks all sweaty and gross, which, you know, maybe if you committed suicide, tried to commit suicide, you probably would. Someone just basically walked in with a bit of water and just went... Yep. <laughs> she understands what he doesn't, and that's that she says, you don't know what it's like to have them not want you there, because he's always in denial. Yep. She fully realizes they don't want her there. And then he finally relents, and they go to Xanadu, and she's doing puzzles. And I thought to myself, what's the significance of the puzzles? Because she's constantly doing puzzles. Do you think it has to take a mind off things? Well, I, I think on a surface level, it fills her day. Yeah. Yeah. I think on a more thematic level, I think it shows that she can finish things. Oh, Okay. And Xanadu, of course, is never finished, and yes. he never stops acquiring, and he never. Oh, okay. And the puzzles yeah, are her version of his puzzles are many bits. Yeah. Also, the idea being, what is Rosebud? Mm. Rosebud is the missing piece yes. of a puzzle, uh, which they can't complete. Yeah. yeah. They're weird puzzles, haven't they? They're like they're like really like deep, deep, thick wooden. That is what yeah. puzzles used to look wow. like. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. Before like electric jigsaw kind yeah. of puzzles that we're used to seeing now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, she wants to go to New York. He wants to stay there because there's nothing for him in New York. Uh, she does more puzzles and makes fun of him for collecting, collecting the statues. They go to the picnic. There's a two-shot. He's been aged up at least 30, 40 years. And she, she ha- looks like she's 25. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, is weird, though, because she's aged up in, in a later scene. scene like, she's yeah. much older. Literally, like, the last like, scene the, when the they're before, married. Yeah. And the, yeah. And, and the shots of her in the bar that the journalist is talking yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, she's older. She kind, of, she kind of ages really quickly. In one but that bit. shot where they're, I don't know if they're outside, but it's a two-shot of the two of them on the way somewhere. It's like in a carriage or yeah, something. Yeah, and he's, he looks old and she looks 25. And that makeup yeah. Oh, yeah. is horrendous. Um, she says, you never give me anything that means anything. So you just give me things to buy me off, but you don't give me what I really want. You don't give me anything. You buy me things. Yeah. Interesting Again, argument. That is a different though, yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, he says, well, whatever I do, I do because I love you. She says, no, you do it because you want me to love you. Yeah. He slaps her. She says, don't tell me you're sorry. He says, I'm not sorry. <sighs> She's leaving and he won't let her go until, well, he does. There's a scene where like this bird goes ah yeah. the start of it. This has been borrowed because they, they they lifted it from a science fiction film to reduce costs. The birds are actually pterodactyls in the background anyway. Uh, they're probably lifted from either King Kong or Son of Kong. Yeah, King Kong. What was weird. that? Bit? That bit at the back was just weird. That didn't fit. In, I don't know. In, that didn't nuts. fit at all, did it? The whole Xanadu segment 
falls for me. Is it supposed to be yeah. kind of mythical or? Uh, no, it's a zoo. It was the. It said it was the greatest testament. They say in the in the, in the newsreel, it was, yeah. it was the greatest testament a monument a man's ever made to himself. Oh, okay. So it's the idea of you know, and there's this cane all over all the boxes, right? So he's got to be oh, okay. This is, he doesn't invest; he just buys things. Yeah. So he doesn't make anything; he just acquires. He never sells them back again no. for any more money. He just buys stuff. Um. So is that what these these people were? Is that what his wife is? Is that what his yeah. other wife is? Yeah, are they yeah. just are they just collections? Uh, a servant. Oh, no, Penny's just dropped here. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> a servant wow. says they know about Rosebud. Um. Xanadu, we cut back to Xanadu, and Kane slashes up all stuff and cuts his wrist or whatever it was he apparently did before saying Rosebud, Bud while hanging on to the glass ball, snow globe, whatever you want to call it. He seemed a bit awkward pulling everything about. Yeah. It did, you know it, was, it was it an awkward shot. It didn't feel natural going, you know, like, ah! You probably only a, want to do that once if you're filming, especially with yeah. stuff that's breaking, and so it looked like he was being careful it but, looked, yeah it looked like yeah. he's going right to, i'm gonna walk over here yeah, i'm gonna yeah. smash that now i'm gonna walk over here i'm gonna smash <laughs> because because back. i have rehearsed this <laughs> um and have you got those lights i moved in the right place <laughs> and so there's some grandeur and we cut from this to the end it's the servants and they're going well we guess we're not gonna know it and just stuff everywhere yeah, pans out and, and, and out, so much stuff um and so the frustration of knowing that you know there's not much more outside of that you know if and they say if you could just figure out what it meant someone says that that would have explained everything and he goes no i don't think so this Love is what the, the, the i do like the character of the newspaper guy i had his name down i've I, I i'll look it up before we, we finish it up but I, I did like him and he goes kind of what he's learned he goes no it's just part of a jigsaw puzzle it's a missing piece it wouldn't explain everything it just no. gives something we, we don't know yeah. if, if you think it's going to bring some sort of all-meaning purpose to it it's not and this is where we everybody walks away and we cut to them burning a bunch of stuff including his childhood sled because <sighs> we, we did find out that his stuff got shipped when he was going to um when he when he meets his second wife mm. susan, susan, susan he says that he was supposed to be going out e- to the east side of the city to find the stuff they put in storage for him mm-hmm. because it was from his childhood he was trying to recapture his youth or something like that yeah. and this is rosebud and it burns and so that's obviously what he has was oh, referring to for the final scene uh, the the stage was equipped with a working furnace and multiple takes were required to show the sled being put into the fire and the word rosebud paul stewart recalled that on the ninth take it got so hot the culver city fire department arrived in full gear because the flu had caught fire (laughs) orson wells was delighted with the commotion he said because it got press responses no press uh, bad press is good press when it was burned Wells choreographed the scene while he had composer Bernard Herrmann's cue playing on the set in real time. Makes sense. So you could get yeah. everything synced up. So yeah. he's editing as he's shooting. That's, Which is, is again theater, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, Wells did credit the word rosebud to Mankiewicz. Um, the symbol of Mankiewicz's own damaged childhood was a treasured bicycle stolen when he visited the public library and not replaced by his family as punishment. Oh, Mm. Uh, he regarded it as the prototype of child foster Kane's sled um in, in a future biography released in 2015 uh it was reported by patrick milligan that mankiewicz himself stated the word rosebud was taken from the name of a famous racehorse old rosebud mankiewicz had a bet on a horse in the 1914 kentucky derby which he won and wrote that old rosebud oh this is right what i think about it symbolized his lost youth and the break with his family yeah 
Um, Mankiewicz said, I had undergone psychoanalysis and rose, but under circumstances slightly resembling the circumstances in Citizen Kane played a prominent part. And just as a little sad note, speaking of things being lost in a fire, the original nitrate negatives of Citizen Kane were lost in a fire in the 1970s. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot were, were lost through that. So what did we think? And that's the film about Citizen Kane. Um, Liam, I'll start with you because I think you've made it kind of aware where you're going with this. But although you've had a penny drop since you yeah. first, yeah, I'd like to know what this penny is. Maybe sometimes you, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and ask well, what the penny is, and then. Well, the thing was right. Um, I was trying to figure out why he was the way he was, and then I realised the whole rosebud thing was the fact that he actually cared about the sled. That was when he was happy, yeah. and he's not been happy since. Yeah. And everything that he buys, he thinks that he can just. Um, he can buy his way to happiness, but he Trying can't. Trying to find a new rosebud. Yeah. yeah. But the happiness was from the beginning, and that's when everything that they were selling off yeah. meant nothing, and everything they were burning meant everything. Yeah. And that was just like, oh. And it's the snow, oh. snow globe as well, because it's snowing on that yeah, day that he gets snow, taken away, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's like oh. a penny drops for him. That's like, oh. Okay. Yeah. And so, that dropped for me as we were just talking. Okay. I was just like, oh. So overall thoughts, though, on Citizen Kane? I really loved the cinema photography in this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was amazing. It blew my mind. Uh, as for the story, I weren't too keen on it. I liked the... Because I kept getting lost in places. I didn't know what was what and what was going on. Who was who and yeah. why was that there? And it's like they were just coming up with it on the spot. Um, but yeah, um, I loved the cinematography. I loved the lines. Um, I loved the uh, the dark and shadows and the and the noiry bit which i'm not a big fan of film noir yep uh but i did like this um yeah i i didn't think i was gonna enjoy it uh but i actually did enjoy moments of it just some general thoughts georgia yeah i really enjoyed it i like that it's not not typical and i knew that like going into it i didn't know anything about the story or anything but i knew it was a piece of like cinema that is highly regarded by people who study cinema and that it had a big impact on cinema and those sorts of things and i'm going yeah it, i can see influence in it but also i can see the fact this I, i've not seen a film that's recreated this sort of narrative as in the person who you think you're going to be rooting for your titular character yep. is actually it's his descent into well into death and into loneliness and actually it's really really interesting and i mean shout out to the script because it's brilliant well he surrounds himself with his stuff because he's so yeah. alone mm. we, we we did mention i should have brought it up one of the last scenes that he has where he's fighting with his wife mm-hmm. the, the reverb was just ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> i get it the house is empty but you're like like six feet away from each other like it doesn't need to be <laughs> reverbing to the level that you're talking about yeah. but also like fireplace goals i mean that thing was huge oh god yeah they call they call that out in the next scene where he's, they're sat next to each other in a tent aren't they and he says like you don't need to you speak to me. Yeah. we're right next to each other yeah. which oh, so, so what I happens really when you have it. all the stuff and you surround yourself with stuff but you fail to realize that you don't have it's no different than, than the kitchen table at breakfast mm-hmm. from earlier in the movie you've yeah. just got more space between you because you've got a bigger house and well, that this huge is, staircase this is why i love going camping and my work job that i do bear with me it does link in because you don't have to have a lot of stuff you have your one or two bags of the stuff that you need your clothes and then you've got your food and then it's actually about who you're with not about yep. what you've got with you and i think that's the opposite of what 
Is this, this is. Is this why he surrounds himself with animals, we're told, at Xanadu? Because animals give you unconditional love? Perhaps, yeah. Maybe. Animals are always that. happy to see you? Yeah. Yeah. But we, don't, we don't ever actually see any versions of him actually engaging with him too much. We saw no. this monk, but it's just, I'm trying to figure out some reason why, why he starts collecting the animals. Because he collects everything else as I well. I think, and statues. Yeah. What's, what's with the statues? People who can't leave him, maybe? Yeah. Oh. I just totally just pulled that out. I have no idea. No, I maybe. think it's something to that. Yeah. 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 Full of space. I'm really enjoying the fact that we can have this conversation about this film. This film is allowed open it doesn't answer the question it, we get i like to know, the fact it doesn't answer the question I we like know that. what rosebud is but we don't know the significance of it because actually they're to anyone else there is no significance or is rosebud even important yeah it's only important as the guy says look he said a no. lot of stuff we didn't understand yeah you know in the last few days like why choose rosebud we're assuming because it was now the film tells us it's important it's the first thing we see and the yeah. whole movie's about it but maybe the newspaper guy's right and it doesn't matter what it's about so we can have a theory but it's only is it really that important i don't, I don't know i don't know and i, I love the fact yeah. that this this is able to happen because films nowadays i think definitely are too cut and dry a lot of the time. <laughs> you do need to see eyes wide shut. <laughs> <laughs> That'll uh, keep your eyes wide open. Uh, <laughs> Ellie, do it. Ellie, thoughts um, on this? I didn't really care for it, I'm afraid. Um, a lot of what Liam said, but possibly without so much of the positives as well. Um, I, I really liked the cinematography. Like, Me too. Obviously, you know, for its time, it's absolutely groundbreaking. Uh, particularly the opening shot that first couple of minutes I thought was incredible. And I was like, wow. Um, but I really, I didn't appreciate the story. If you can call it a story, it was a bit confusing. Like Liam said, yeah. like I just, it, it didn't draw me in. Oh. I know that it's, you know, perhaps it is the fact that it's an older film and it is really difficult as we've discussed before to kind of rate on a similar level, but it, it wasn't for me, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. I'm going to go ahead and go, I don't issue with this, because I think you can rate it on a similar level, because it's... I think you can this, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a film about people who have conversations with other people. And we have, you know, it's One Night in Miami, still people sitting in a room, yeah, having yeah, a yeah. conversation, yeah. like the breakfast... Well, then maybe, maybe I've just got a low rating for it, then. Maybe. Um, I was sitting there going... There's a lot of moving pieces and there are things, but it wouldn't make sense to run from beginning to end because we're actually, the character we're, we're actually aligned with, as much as we think it's Citizen Kane, it's the actually reporter. the guy from the press. Yeah. And so as he finds out more of a story, so do we. we do as well. And yeah. it, it wouldn't be this clean cut, people tell you in, in perfect linear fashion, no. what the events were. You get a little bit from one person, a little bit from the others, and you're filling in the gaps. It's still like being a detective, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. I was going to say it's very Law and Order, actually, yeah. the way it sort of reveals itself, which is kind of a weird comparison. Citizen Kane's oh, like, oh. it's like a good episode of Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of went with with that, and it was we finished watching it, and I had a thought on it, Go and on. kind of where I would put. No, I just kind of had a thought of where I was thinking it was going to sit, and through the point of the conversation and sort of pulling on these threads, it's kind of part of the joy of doing the podcast. I think is going. There's elements that maybe. I feel better about having given it a second thought through. Not a second watch, but a second thought through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be ruminating on parts of this for a little bit, which I like when movies make, make, make me do this. The last one that was the case of was actually Eyes Wide Shut, funny enough. Yeah. So it's just the, I like it when I have to carry a film for a few days, and this one I will be. But that did it with me, didn't it? Just as we were talking through yeah. it. You, know, you had, you had were, this moment. Yeah, you had this yeah, light bulb. Yeah. 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 The way I would describe this film, and I thought it quite early on into the film, and it the 
the theory or my way of describing it has held true throughout to the end it's like a weird backwards murder mystery where you're not finding out who killed someone or or in your way you are you're finding out why he died how he did and it doesn't give you a proper ending and i like the fact that it's like you're meeting different people trying to piece together different bits and pieces with based on one clue to begin with it's what the um press guys say after watching the the newsreel they go we didn't learn anything from this (laughs) we got some headline facts about the guy we don't know who he was and so it was interesting at first i was like do we need this i think the answer is yes you do need this because the impetus for what we're going to talk about if i just want here's this guy it lets me gives me gives me enough pieces that i go i have an idea who he was Mm -hmm. and now we're going to fill in these gaps and actually having had that opening sequence i think made following the rest of it along a lot easier for me yeah it did me um it's a really interesting narrative structure choice uh, maybe you can see again, like I said, the 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 theater in the guy with concepts like this. So mm-hmm. it it feels like some sort of. You could have done mystery. this as a play. You yeah. could have done this as a play. Yeah, yeah. you'd be fine. You wouldn't get some of these gorgeous shots, but no, and you'd, you wouldn't you'd be get fine. the aging as much. You'd have to do it with costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Costume and 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 prost- You know, a little bit of prosthetics, some some Beards. makeup. Yeah, makeup. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's hit that button. We're in the end game now. And we are in the end game now. Liam. Yeah. We need a random word to see if people made it this far. Fireplace. Fireplace. Yeah. So Big if you if you've got this, let us know you made it this far by going fireplace. Fireplace. All right. So on that note as well, um, let's talk about how it did with money. Ooh. Money. So uh, budget, I've got at the end, although it was a $500,000 budget, it did eventually climb up to north of $840,000. So I don't know how, how funny that was in the back end. That seems to be the number I found over and over and over again. Yeah. Is that like advertising and those sorts of things? Would that, that not count? That would, that would count in the budget. At least it would count today. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. Hang on. No, advertising does not count in the budget. You see, you have to consider probably about half of what it mm, does yeah, yeah. minimum. Uh, for its production budget, it's probably also in your marketing. So I don't know where this numbers come from, but this is the number. So what do we think it made? Remember, this is 1941, right? I don't think it done that well. I think this is a grower, something that later became something. I'm going to say 600,000. 600,000, so a loss. Yeah. Okay. Georgia. I'm going to go... 840? 840, okay. Ooh, we'll break even. And Ellie? Um, I've definitely seen that it didn't do very well, but I haven't seen any numbers, so mm. I'm, I'm going to go in the middle, 700. This is an absolute first. It made 840,000. No, <laughs> no, no, hang on, 840 was the budget. I'm sorry, it's not oh. a first. It made just over a million, but it makes over a million. I couldn't find out just the original theatrical release. Oh, okay. So it does lose money. So in some way, we have multiple people who are right. Despite all the publicity, the film was a box office flop and was quickly consigned to the RKO vaults, which is weird because it got nominated by a, for a bunch of Academy Awards. Wow. And every time it came up out of its nine nominations, it was booed by people in attendance. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was, was it just Ellie and Liam in attendance? <laughs> it was only re-released to the audiences in the mid-50s. Oh, okay. Because there's no home media, so they they put it out for another run. And since then, I mean, the the critical acclaim has been high, but that doesn't mean people are going to go watch it. No, true. And you could come out and go, especially, you know, we're people who are, we've never been more media savvy than we are right now. 
So if you're a 1941 cinema goer and you're not a critic, are you walking out of here with any idea what you just saw? Maybe not. No. No, perhaps not. Because we watched a film last week that was a popcorn movie. It was. Mission Impossible. And there's nothing wrong with that. A popcorn movie could no. be the best film ever. It's totally possible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then we saw some like cinema today. Yeah. Cinema. Where yeah. like so much thought has gone into this. Um, usual sort of questions. Whose story is it? I mean, it's Kane's. It's Kane's. Yeah, it's Kane's yeah. story. It's Kane's. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is the story? What does Rosebud mean, maybe? You've sort of given your theory on it. Leo. I think Rosebud means that was his last happy place. Okay. Georgia? I like Liam's version. I actually, I, yeah, I mean, mine would be the version of what Liam has said. Like, it is the last time he had any connect, real connection to anything that wasn't monetary, that wasn't, I need to be loved by this thing. Because a sled cannot love you. It is a, it's an object. Um, but it was the first time that he didn't have to go out and buy something to make him feel that way. It was like his thing that he already had. Okay. I'm going to go to two theories, if I may. Okay. First theory is yours. Yeah, okay. Yeah. When um, Susan or whatever is going to find him, he's trying to go back and find these items from He says, yeah. I'm in search of my childhood. I'm in search of my youth. And actually finds this by having a dalliance with another woman as well, right? So yeah, yeah. these sorts of things occur. Okay, fine. That's option one. It's his youth. I, I could totally, and it was my first inclination. My second is very nihilistic and go stop looking for meaning in life because there is none. And this film teaches me that there is no meaning in life. You can go looking for Rosebud. Does actually the, does the sled being Rosebud make any of the last two hours make any sense to the decisions he made or, or how he acted? You could argue, maybe you could argue, no, you know, so the search for it is meaningless. And the guy in the hospital, Leland, right? Yeah, Yeah. You know, these guys want me to live forever. Bring me a cigar, would you? Life's small pleasures over any sort of great meaning. He's like, there at least isn't anything. He said, Charles wasn't a bad man. He just did brutal things. There is no meaning to life. It is just that you can, if you find your rosebud, it doesn't, it's not the one magical piece of the puzzle that solves everything. It's just a missing piece that you've discovered. So, so there's the meaning of life. The meaning of the film is that there is no meaning to life. It just is what it is. It's a collection of moments. Hopefully a collection, a collection of moments and not statues. A collection of moments. Yep. I like that. So there's my second theory. Ooh. And I love the fact that I can walk out of here with two very disparate readings. Yeah. yeah. And feel actually fairly equally confident they're both right. <laughs> so, that is it. That's, yeah. yeah, that's my take on it. Is that Actually, I think they probably wrote it with both in mind. So um, role of women in the film? Mm. That's pretty good. Really? I don't think for, for her being... Well, she, yeah, but she season. breaks up with him. She does break up yeah, with him. she does. On both occasions. She wants to be more, and she realizes her own weaknesses. Yeah. Oh, I like her. Yeah. She realizes well, actually, her own so does the, Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You're right. There's two. There's only two real female characters of, no, maybe his mother is a third. She's taking charge of They're all really strong do. women, actually. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Uh, at least something you want to say? No, I agree. I think for the time, it's really good. I was going to, like, poo-poo all over, but you guys have... Yeah. Yeah. I'm wrong. Me too. I the women like recognised con- the women. I didn't like <laughs> the way he controlled her. You know, I didn't... But like- she let, she escaped that. Yeah, I know. And I you're know, not supposed I to know. like the way he controls yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which, 1941, I mean, I was like, I don't know what we're going to get into here. No. Um, Favourite character? Um, Leland. Leland. Yeah. Yeah. I like Leland. Yeah. yeah, he's mine as well. Is yours as well? Yeah. Ellie? Mine's Mr. Bernstein. Oh, and him. Oh, I like oh. him, yeah. <laughs> I think you've named my two. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I'm I'm gonna go with Honorable mention to Susan. I liked her. I didn't. See, I, I did at times. I don't think I'm supposed not, to though. Yeah. Mm. I I did at times but didn't He's marrying down. His yeah. first wife to his second wife, I'm like, Yeah, you're marrying down. He's marrying literally though, age wise as well, isn't he? He's chasing that again. Yeah, I get, yeah, it's, it's chases youth, isn't he? Yeah. And trying to find meaning, and then she leaves him just like the... F- yeah. um, I, I like that she's aware of her flaws. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> I want to be, like, really, like, cheaty and say... Not cheaty from the good place, but cheaty. <laughs> cheaty. And go, I and like... Find cheaty. I like young Citizen Kane. Uh, not, not as a boy, but, like, when he's in his 20s and his yeah, 30s. Yeah, 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 I do yeah. like that. Pretty much right up until he has the dalliance but that's because yeah. he's quite idealistic he is you know and that idealisticness you can is... see how he started yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so and then as a result i like the dynamic between him and leland and him and bernstein and even him young, and thatcher yeah. young leland is probably my favorite is he yeah i do like old leland smoking the cigarettes yeah. trying to get some too, yeah i do like him <laughs> um best moment best element oh that's gonna be really interesting here <laughs> cinematography for me yeah i i loved it because okay. you know it, it was not just a bit, it was all over the place. Yep. I mean... Oh, it was consistently outstanding. Certain shots, you were like, wow. I've never heard of Greg Toland, but I don't think I'll forget him. No. I, 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 would, I would probably look up another film he's so done he do since. did anything else, yeah. Oh, I'm sure oh, he did. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was just too cutting edge for the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, Georgia? I'm going to go with the script, but by the script, I mean not only just the actual lines, but the way that the story is played out. So, like the the fact that it is open ended, that not everything gets resolved, that that kind of element. So, as the well. screenplay as a whole. We'll the say. screenplay as a whole, yeah. yeah. I mean, story and screenplay. There are two different writing credits, but yeah. we'll call them yeah, story yeah. and screenplay. Okay, Ellie. Um, hands down, the cinematography, definitely. Um, in particular, the opening scene or the opening, like before you get to the death bit. Yeah. Like the lead up to that, I think it really builds the suspense well. I fully understand what Georgia is saying with the script and the story i do i'll give mine to cinematography only because there's certain moments that just look fantastic mm-hmm. that the, the 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 black and white um projection room sort of scene when they're talking about it the, the shot of citizen kane making his speech about vote kane yeah um the shot of we didn't mention this when when baby charlie is being taken away we get like he's framed all around him in this beautiful sh- oh it just looks so good yeah and we use a deep focus in ways that you wouldn't we like to shoot things now in shallow, wide that sets. Draw, draws your attention. And we did the opposite here. We had some narrow, de- deep sort of shots. Very yeah. theatre. You you're not Very forced where to look. You yeah. choose where to look on it because yeah. it's all equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and making them all equal. And yeah. giving and the guy in the back can be communicating just as much. Or you can make suggestions that, because he looks small and the guy up front looks yeah. so big. And, you know, what does that say about power dynamics? And yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just really, really clever. And I fully understand why uh, Orson Welles opted to share his credit card. Absolutely. Not credit card. On the title screen. Yeah, his, yeah, yeah. That, his that, title credit. His title card, if you will. His title credit yeah, yeah. on the same page as, as Greg Toland. I fully understand that. Definitely. So I really, really like that. Uh, a grumble? The makeup as he got older. Oh, okay. What I didn't things? hate it. That bit under his eyes? Are you kidding me? The only bit I that found was that was distracting crap. was the fact that when he's like got a bald cap on, he looks like he's wearing an egg on his head because he gets like a little oval. Yeah, he, he does a little bit. But that's, oh, the eye bag things that got me. Uh, Georgia? 
I had one and I've forgotten it. Come back to me. All right. Ellie. The story, um, it didn't didn't draw me in and I didn't really feel like it led anywhere, which I guess is kind of the point, but I just I just didn't like it. But if you want me to be more specific, I didn't like that musical number. All right. <laughs> we can somehow I think you just snuck two in there. <laughs> yeah. She definitely did. Georgia, do you have one? I had something and it's, it's just come, gone, so I think it might have me. resolved okay. in the film. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, I don't think they did enough with when they got to Xanadu. Xanadu was meant to, built it to be this it's giant thing in the newsreel. Yeah. And unless it's the idea of, a, yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff, isn't that crazy? And it's kind of like but that still dies alone. Neverland... Um, and like you Howard Hughesy kind of Howard Hughes these sort Howard of Hughes-y. people who become like you know you hear these lo- these like headlines about the, the the houses they live in and the stuff they have and he's more than that sort of stuff but I thought there's more you could have done with the Xanadu segment of the film mm. they're just there until they're not I think if you do too much more with it it becomes more meaningful and that's exactly what it's not supposed to be I'm literally talking like two minutes okay and yeah, like but- have a conversation about why is all this stuff here why do you want to look all our stuff's here no all, all we have is our stuff here yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah like this no, isn't relationship this is just stuff mm-hmm. yeah you know i'm tired of filling out puzzles and you don't finish anything at least i finish you know yeah, something yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. i don't want to pick apart the writing on what's almost a you know on what's clearly a very very strong script and strong yeah. story in my perspective but i felt xanadu had been built up and there was no payoff for it Mm-hmm. Which maybe is part of a nihilistic thing of life. Maybe Xanadu is my rosebud. And I'm going, why does it mean more? <laughs> the really pessimistic part of me really loves the fact that it's it's nothing. Oh, I think it is nothing. Yeah. I, I, I really, above it really too. Like I, it. I, that, that was my number one working theory. And I'll settle for rosebud yeah. is his youth. I'm, yeah. I'm usually really optimistic. But like the little part of me that goes. <laughs> this is a film I would love to have a conversation with someone who I haven't seen it through yet as well. And just have yeah. another conversation. I'd really be up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's time for. Uh, is this anybody's best role ever? I don't know anybody else's stuff. So no, I don't either. Probably. Everybody. <laughs> everybody and nobody at the same time. I, I don't really know, but... I don't know Orson Welles... Does he do anything else? All I know, he was in Spaceballs <laughs> for a brief cameo. Was he? Yeah. Like I, We know he's Unicron <laughs> in, in Transformers <laughs> and not in Superman. No. <laughs> I don't... Like People say Orson Welles, they talk about this. Yeah. Did he do a film called The Third Man? Why does that ring a bell? I, I don't know. Don't know, Liam. That's in the back bit of the my The inside of my your brain. head is a scary dark place <laughs> with lights that are shone, much like Very a noir film. film. Noir. <laughs> I won't lie. When I hear Awesome Wells, I sometimes get confused with HG Worlds. So, mm-hmm. you know. There is that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So let's go ahead and. I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? Thanks to Moonlight Social for a little age game, did he? Yeah, now, this you. is where Liam can't do his usual thing, where he goes, now, what year was that other film I saw? That <laughs> I'm going to do some quick math, because if you've got any idea how old any of these people were in any subsequent films, God bless you. I have no idea. Me either. Um, Ellie, who do we have today on the on the panel? Uh, well, we can start with Orson Welles. Oh, that's Ooh. so difficult. I'm going to say 35. 37. 32. Ooh. 26. What? Wow. Oh, sorry, Pip. <laughs> we have just woken George's dog up. <laughs> um, no way. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. That is insane. Do you want me to blow your mind even more? Go sure. On. I just did a little fact check corner. Um, Orson Welles was in the Muppet movie. 
Uh, he is. He's the guy who signs them to the standard rich and famous contract. Yes. Orson Welles has now had two appearances on the pod. Nice. I, think he's, I think he's marginally better in this. He's got, his, if you like look up on IMDb, his film list, he's, he's been in loads of stuff. But that yeah, one, but I was as, like, as far no. as directing, yeah, that's, that's crazy though. Okay, great. Yeah. Wow. So, um, anyway, so Joseph Cotton, who plays Jedediah Leyland. <sighs> well, if. Uh, I think he's older. I'm going to be 35. 26. 36. Wow, oh. Georgia. Very close, Georgia. Well done, Georgia. It's hard as people um, you've never seen before. Yeah. It's in black and white. You're mm. dealing with fashions and makeup as they go through like several. And you're right. Yeah, it's really difficult. Time because yeah. I've never seen anyone before. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, Dorothy Cummingall, Susan? Mm. Oh, she's young. Is she? 24. 23. 31. 28. Ooh. I think I'm still closest. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the yeah. middle, yeah. Ooh. Um, it's not really much of a win, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I've just done one more. I've done Everett Sloan, who plays Mr. Bernstein. Oh. I think he was a little bit older. 40. Mm, a little bit younger than that. 37. 43. This one blew my mind. He's 32. Wow. wow. Yeah, so it was just kind hard, of, isn't it? Usually we're pretty close, but yeah. this one was just, it really was just... Just draw I had like to check cards. that one and check it and check yeah. it. And check. I, I was like, no, he can't possibly have been that young. I think if we hadn't had Orson Welles first, we'd have been a bit more on the money. <laughs> I think Orson made a skew that, young. That <laughs> did it. Yeah. Imagine being the young guy and like having all these people believe. Like, tw- oh, jeez, twenty six. Oh my god! And already, and not being like, not like this was like his first film that made him into this big deal. Like he was already a huge deal in yeah. theater and in radio. Yeah, at twenty six, I've done nothing with my life. Well, it's like, <laughs> like Paul McCartney left the Beatles like twenty eight or something yeah. like that. And it's like, Georgia, uh, at least you've still got a few years left yeah. until you get there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Gallagher made a huge oasis at like thirty two. Yeah, yeah. Mental. I, it's people like Alan Rickman I got to hang on to yeah. and start acting until he was like 45 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Even Susan's become an opera singer before me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Georgia, I think it's time for some critics on what used to be 100% on Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes, now down to 99 point something. We are, yeah. So I've got um, a review from Owen Gleiberman from Entertainment Weekly um, who said 50 years after its release, so this is... 1991 that he's writing this Um, Citizen Kane still seems richer bolder more spectacularly alive than any other film of the studio system era regardless of how many times you've seen Orson Welles 1941 masterpiece it always feels like the first time which is really interesting because obviously we've only seen it once but (laughs) felt like the first time to me it did feel like the first time (laughs) he said no matter how many times so I've seen it once yep um, uh, secondly, we're going to our friend Roger Ebert. He's not being last Second, this time. Second, wow. Yeah, Ebes. I know. Ebes, Ebes, Ebes. Um, his quick little review that we get on Rotten Tomatoes just says, its surface is as much fun as any movie ever made. Its depths surpass understanding. Wow. Uh, Carlo had said, if we get a chance, because he did the, like, a, a commentary track. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. On, on this that you could, like, so maybe on the DVD I have even, it might even have a Roger Ebert yeah. commentary track. I'm not sure. But there is one out there, and he's won, like, uh, he's either won or been nominated for, like, an award for his, for the, the, the quality of the voice. He I said, say, this is really good. And, and the question was, he said, are you going to go ahead and listen to that before? And I went, ah. Oh. I said, that would require me to watch it twice, yeah. and I want to come on having just watched it the first time. Yeah. So it's not something, uh, I am I am uh, 
willing to, I don't know, in some capacity in the future, watch it with the commentary track on and see what does Ebert see when he watches it versus yeah. versus what well, we I've do. I've got his quick little summary if you want to know like his like version of what the, the plot. If you can do like a snippet, that would yeah, be all right. Yeah, so... Um, so Citizen Kane knows the sled is not the answer. It explains what Rosebud is, but not what Rosebud means. The film construction only shows us how our lives, after we are gone, survive only in the memories of others, and those memories butt up against the walls we erect and the roles that we play. And in the stuff that we get. Yeah. yeah. Interesting kind of concept. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to find meaning from a series of conversations because if you talk to person number nine yeah. they'd give you a new perspective on the story you didn't see or if you found object number 12 yeah who knows so yeah really god bless you Ebs. Yeah. yeah lastly knocking Ebs off the last spot oh is this we the have one got the review oh wow that pushes citizen kane i was like what could you possibly be doing <laughs> i'm like she's completely got this wrong i'm like no no this is no, actually no, the right no, way to do no, this no, yeah, yeah yeah um so where are, we, where are we going? The writer was credited as uh, May Today, which is just a play on matinee, so we don't actually know who okay. actually wrote this um, review. Um, says, it's interesting, it's different. In fact, it's bizarre enough to become a museum piece, but its sacrifice of simplicity to eccentricity robs it of distinction and general entertainment value. Adding, I only know it gives one the creeps and that I kept wishing they'd let a little sunshine in. <sighs> That was pretty relentless. There was not it's, much. It's not a popcorn movie. No, no, it's no. not. So if you're there looking for a good time at the cinema on a, on a Friday night, it's a, it's a different. Kind. Not oh, this. And there's oh, no redemption. I mean, I mean, in I mean, I mean the, the English Patient won an Oscar for crying out loud. Yeah, People think did, it's yeah. great. You know what I mean? Like Schindler's List isn't like a feel good movie. No. There is room for this. Know. I mean, one person's allowed not to like it. It's just funny that it's a bit unearthed just so recently. It's been unearthed really recently, but it was um, the it's, it's, it's from like 1940s, May seventh, nineteen forty one. Yeah. yeah so uh thank you uh let's go ahead and take a look at some of our um favorite well, some of some of our people some of our critics and what they've come up with here yeah your next it? favorite movie says i guess by a lot of film standards this is the biggest movie i haven't seen curious to hear how you all feel about it well here we go you you've, you've heard if, if you're <laughs> made this far what was that what was that random word liam furnace fireplace 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 it was really saying furnace now yeah fireplace. fireplace the word is fireplace uh i get better it's got two like more pronounced it's like rosebud fireplace yeah. two pronounced sort of syllables yeah well furnace has two syllables but they're but both but they're pronounced. both accented yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the Paul and Griff show says, shamefully, I've never seen it. So maybe your review will get me to want to watch it. We'll soon see. It's a musical podcast. I think it's Danny says, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Nothing to contribute, but eager to see if it's worth the watch. And finally, Bradley says, brilliant story. And I love the style. Not going to say it's the best film ever. See what I did, what I did there. Uh, I, I didn't catch it. <laughs> <laughs> Over our heads. But it's influences there for all to see. Uh, I think I would close, and I'm curious what Ellie would say as the person who f- it feels is the most negative on it. We'll find out in a second. I would say I think it's. I'm gonna say it's definitely worth a watch. Definitely. Just to figure out what where your stance on it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, mm. Okay. 
I mean, Santa yeah, Dates ago, everybody talks about Citizen Kane. Aren't you glad you can yeah, at least have a, a like voice in that conversation now? Yes, okay. but that's literally it. I'm, that's okay. I'm pleased that I can brag that I have seen Citizen Kane and it makes me sound like a fancy filmy person. <laughs> in terms of, in terms of would I ever watch it again? Wow. Would I recommend it to someone to watch? Like, no. Not to think, Ellie, because I think I recall you saying that your friends referred to you as the person who hadn't seen a lot of films <laughs> when they found out you were on a film podcast. To go yeah. from that to now saying seen citizen kane yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm a film buff there so <laughs> i guess i guess we'll find out uh um let's take a look and think about our rating so where are we put i'm very curious where really are we putting interested. this i've got an idea for liam but let's see if he holds true liam you what write okay. some predictions actually I, actually let me do that really okay. quickly no, not looking not looking i'm, I'm gonna hide looking. i'm gonna hide okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so i'm gonna go with mine down here and then go georgia and then go Ellie, and then go, well, I really don't need to predict myself, because I know what I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine, bang on. <laughs> Yay! Yay! How did you, you do, do it? it? Liam, go ahead, and sh- sh- should, I, should I wait till the end, and then yeah. tell everybody what I think they got? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Liam. Would I watch this film again? Mm, doubtful. But I may watch it in 10, 20 years' time, and see how I feel about it. But not a film for me. Love, love the cinematography. So I'm going to give it a seven-week snow globes. Oh, he's going with weak for once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, so, they're, they're easily smashable. Smash. Yeah. Easily smashable. Yeah. Okay. Georgia. Um, I actually really enjoyed this and unlikely and would quite like to go and watch it again quite quickly because I want to watch it again knowing the full ending in mind and also it's maybe even more excited for Mank because if it's along yeah. at least any similar lines you know what's wild? This, I haven't thought about Mank in no, two hours. I hadn't. Yeah, no, interesting. How weird is that? Yeah. Not, not since we stopped Context Corner. Yeah. 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 If, if, if it's something to do with if it, along those lines, I'm really looking forward to it. I yep. want to know what happened. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to... Is a rarity for me, but I'm going for a nine. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Ellie. That is very high. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be the lowest. Um, I'm going to give it a five. Oh. Anything that, or have you kind of got? I think I think I've said all I need to say. Really. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I will do mine here and go. Oh, it's really weird because half of the movie I thought, "Am I having a good time?" And the answer was not yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then you get to the ending and you go, mm. that does twist your bit. And then I go back and I sort of replay the film in my head. Mm-hmm. So this is the opposite to, to, I keep bringing it up, Empire Strikes Back, yeah. where you got to the end and the ending was a little bit of, ooh, and it distracts you from everything else you watched. Yeah. This doesn't do that. This makes me go back and realize how that middle portion was like, I don't know how I feel about this, how that's, it ties in. That's why I love this so much. So this is usual suspects. You get to the end. It's not that. Well, well, it may. Usual same, same concept. Same yeah, concept. Yeah, yeah. I, I get to the end of Usual Suspects, and yeah. I go, I start replaying the whole movie through my head. So, same with this. Oh, jeez, I'm just thinking about something else. I gave. I'm gonna have to do that. Ooh. I have. I just upped it. Yeah, because I thought about it. Yeah. Oh. So I say I, I would have got my own prediction wrong. Ironic. <laughs> 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 so I'm going to give this. Eight and a half disputed writing credits Ooh, out of ten. Okay. I had it at eight, and I went, Days of Thunder. I'm like, no, no. You gave Days of Thunder at eight? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I stand by that. Yeah, I stand. Yeah, yeah. When we did Mission Impossible, <laughs> okay. I gave it a seven and a half, and I went, "Yeah, Days of Thunder was slightly better than that." That makes sense to me. Okay, okay, okay. Um, it feels it's just still better than Days of Thunder. Talk, talk about two disparate films. Yeah, yeah, Citizen yeah, yeah. Kane, Days of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this- like, this, some of the images are so powerful they are. And, like the, the individual pieces and there's certain elements where as a film teacher as a film fan i'm looking at this going wow there's some legitimate wow moments in this from a technical perspective there is yeah that the totally story agree. i have to it's very similar actually you want something i'm going to compare it to snatch which is a weird compa- comparison is, to make yeah yeah Snatch, it takes me about 40 minutes to figure out who all the players are and what's occurring. Yeah. Now, Grant's an ensemble piece. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going, where are we? Or the prestige, where are you looking at timelines? I'm like, where am I? I don't understand. There's so much coming at me right now. I had a prestige feeling for yeah. this. Yeah. So those sorts of elements to it. Uh, I'm still sitting here going, I'm not sure. It's what I'm going, I'm not sure I had the most fun time. No. It's, I probably study this in a similar way that I'd study a, a piece of literature I would teach. Funny you say that, right? I think I'd get more enjoyment out of this movie as a book? Breaking it down. So it was like more episodic. You know, if we, we sat there and we analysed it, yeah. I'd enjoy came, more I think that's why I enjoyed it because I'm coming from a, a stage analytic point of view. Yeah, you, yeah. you do film, yeah. and I've studied the stage analyst and yeah. analytics and it's very much that and that's why i'm enjoying it so much um but you know me i'm all about visuals so i've seen that visual it could be interesting if someone remade the jeez oh, you eat, eat dead in the water i mean the critics would kill you they would <laughs> but, but if you did this and did it as a series a six episode series yeah, then you could yeah. have one talk and then a little bit of it is there enough to pa- i don't know mm. but it is it might have benefited from the ability to sort of talk not that I want to encourage you to start talking during the movie, but <laughs> <laughs> the only times I talk for little people behind the scenes are just if I go, hey, you see that shot there? Just so I can talk about it later and you guys can be like, otherwise you guys like, no. I'm like, well, well, there was this shot. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. Well, there was this shot. Yeah, so so that's the only time I kind of tend to talk about it during the film myself. So that is that. My predictions were, Liam, I had you on a six and you gave it a seven. Well, I originally was thinking five, six. Oh, right, okay. But because of the cinematography and the way that made me feel, yep. I made... I had Georgia on a nine. Hey. Ooh. And, when, and would you read the number I gave Ellie? It's the bottom one. That's a five. That's a five. Hey, so I got, I got Georgia and Ellie bang on, and I missed you by, by one, which is a fairly... But then I missed myself by half a mark. I did say... <laughs> I did say a week seven. So a week seven. seven. So maybe I'm not losing yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, had Liam down for a six as I, well. I thought you were going to go, I really appreciated kind of... Similar to what I did, but m- more diluted. Yeah, and go, yeah, I appreciate yeah. certain elements of it a lot. Although you are big on cinematography. Oh. You really are. Since we started the podcast, that's the thing I think I've seen you appreciate more. That's the as thing I've opened my eyes more. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what this week's was. So now all that's left to do is talk about what are we doing next week. Although we are going to save this now. If you haven't seen this, I would say go see it. It's on BBC Absolutely. iPlayer. Uh, I would say Dwayne, s- I'd say give it another shot, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to watch it and give I, it a go. I think to be able to say, if nothing else, for the for the Ellie, we, we that should be it. Ethan, get on that. <laughs> <laughs> I survived Citizen Kane. <laughs> okay. That can be a sticker. Hello, my name's that Ellie, can be, and yeah. I survived Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane support group. Something. We, 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 something. Ethan. <laughs> Get on that. Dwayne, we'll set one up. There we go. So, if anything else, you can say, I watched, here we go, I survived Citizen Kane, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Make that happen. So, with that in mind, uh, all I have to do is I'll talk about what's happening next week. And next week, because uh, we are doing Mank, um, 
sort of it's kind of a double thing for us we'll be recording mm-hmm. two reviews on the same day really so we're going to watch them on one day and review both of them the following day yeah uh so i thought we needed some levity in the middle <laughs> of yeah. it and it happened to work out that it was a big anniversary you know i like anniversaries you do so the first clue is that it's a film that celebrated its 25th anniversary okay starring the late great sean connery No, that's, that's later, I'm thinking. Starring almost Superman, Nicolas Cage. Oh, The Rock. No, The Rock's not in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are doing the 1996 Escape from Alcatraz movie, The Rock. Yeah. So a little bit of action-y, popcorn-y, I'm just borrowing your Humvee kind of things for next week. So you want to know who shot Kennedy? Yeah, you want to know who shot so A lot of real... It's, it's a, I think it's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. It's a fun movie. 25... Imagine James Bond got old. And if you'd have told me... And bitter. If you'd have told me... <laughs> yeah. Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage together in a movie... In an action movie. I'd have gone, what? Nicolas Cage action star. Yeah. But he's like a nerdy version yeah. of an action star. Nicolas Cage is the biggest meme around. He is like. the biggest meme around. So there we go. So from the clapping meme to Nicolas Cage the meme we're doing next week. Cool. It is a fun movie. It is a fun movie. So I'm looking very forward to doing The Rock. I'm the looking forward Rock. to watching this because I haven't seen this since I went to Alcatraz. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so you've been there. I've been there. Oh, we, we have the inside scoop. Yeah. Liam will tell us how hard week. it is to... Yeah. <laughs> Liam will be our special guest for the first one. <laughs> and then we're, we, we won't cancel Sean. He can still come on and talk about his film, too. So, <laughs> so big, big, exciting times. Uh, go check out all the fun stuff we got on the BFE. Uh, I think I'm also recording on Saturday, BFE Trivia Night 2.0. Oh, Danny's going to defend his title on Ooh. Saturday. So, dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, so, some big. Dun, so dun, this time, dun. he actually has to face people who are. Last time, he kind of got a bit of an easy go. People who weren't like film specialists. Yeah. He's got a couple of specialists, I think, coming on. Ooh. So, we'll see if he can keep his crown. I'm getting in contact with the people literally tonight slash tomorrow morning to make sure they're still good for Saturday. And if that's the case, then we're good to go. Cool. So that'll be that. It's so very exciting stuff. So please join us next week when we get together to watch. Uh, first on the Tuesday, we'll be watching the Rock, the Rock, the Rock and then <laughs> for the Friday, we'll be doing um, Mank. Mank. I haven't even mentioned we've also recorded uh, our thoughts to see it or skip it on the Friends reunion yeah. special. Yeah, Friends yeah, reunion. So we give all our thoughts on that, and we'll be there for you. We'll be there for you, <laughs> even if half of them couldn't remember the show yeah. they were on. <laughs> we did. So, uh, and hopefully a little bit of happiness because parts of that made me sad. Yeah, yeah. same. So for best film ever, I've been Liam. I've been Ellie. And I've been Georgia. And Liam, sometimes you say to me that I could do this podcast by myself, but I want the three of you to know, you lot are the missing piece. Oh. Rosebud. 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 We'll catch you on the flippity-flop. The flippity-flip-flop. Or best film ever. I've been Ian. I've been Liam. I've been Ellie. And I've been Georgia. Rosebud. I need something else. Uh, <laughs> what, what, else what, what else is there? I, I sat there going, I don't know what to say about this film. Rosebud. It means nothing. It means nothing. Do you know what came to my head when you went there? I went, Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse. Anything? Rosebud.
Um, well, there's so many good lines, but like we've said them all. Oh, what was that one about the the beginning? I don't want to do one about like you know curing old age with death. That's a bit. <laughs> no, what was that? You, there was a cure that... your boredom with podcasts. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> shit, but it I've is. got nothing else. Oh, I can't remember what it said. Uh... The beginning and the end. It was. Well, that don't say you're sorry. <laughs> Don't say you're sorry. What's that from? That's what he the says. Slap. He, she says to him, don't, and I don't won't say I'm sorry. sorry. Oh. But that's, that's a bit dark as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. What about the jigsaw puzzle? Maybe. Oh, there we go. There we go. Ka-chow, ka-chow, ka-chow. Cool. Let's do it. 